It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Tevita Marinan, St. Paddy's Day uh, here at SCNZ and all around the country and the world. I uh, hope you're celebrating, uh, wearing your green, your Irish jersey. I see I saw an Irish jersey walking through the walking through the office this morning. You can uh, let me know if you like my accent or if you think I'm way off the mark. Paddy, if you're listening, send us a text message. Will you are on double eight double three? Whoa, it is a big day. It is a big day for women's cricket, uh, for the White Ferns. It is a must-win game, I think. I put it down as a must-win game against South Africa. Um, coming up at 2 o'clock, live commentary here on SENZ. Uh, the TAB has New Zealand $1.40, South Africa $2.75. Um, top run scorer, Sophie Devine, $3.75. Amelia Kerfall is 33 and Susie Bates $4.50 for New Zealand. Um, I want to know from you on double eight double three the temper uh, bedpost text machine uh, who your top scorer is today and what do you reckon? Do New Zealand get the result? Do we get the job done? Give South Africa their first loss and uh, not to say solidify our spot in the top four, but uh, give us a bit of insurance uh, going into our final two games. Um, if you didn't pick up on my Irish accent, Sam Hewitt sitting in for Staffy, who would have been sitting in for Smithy. If you can follow that little train, um, Smithy obviously doing World Cup commentary, and he was going to join us um, very, very shortly. Um, just before we uh, talk about what's coming up on the show, I've got um, Swinks and uh, Brian in the booth, and lads, I think it's only fair that both of you give us uh, an Irish accent uh, to kick off the day, please. Oh, to be sure, to be sure. Not bad there. Not bad there oh, from you, Logan. Brian. Potato, potato. Brian's a bit of an Irish name, isn't it? Oh, it is an Irish name. However, it's spelled the Scottish way. Right, right. Can With you give us a, do you have a Scottish accent for us? Um, Scotland the Brave. <laughs> I think we need to cut that off there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll cut that off there. Um, what's coming up on the show uh, between now and 1.30 uh, before we hand over to our commentary team down in Hamilton? Um, Smithy is going to join us very, very shortly um, to talk through today's game, previewing the White Ferns v South Africa. Um, in 20, we're going to get the panel 
the uh, Dilmar Expertise panel with Ross Carl and James Regan. Plenty of topics to talk about today. COVID and Super Rugby. Is COVID killing Super Rugby? Is Super Rugby in a bit of trouble? Um, well, I should say serious trouble, actually. Um, Ash Taylor starting for the Warriors. We'll do a little bit of Warriors chat. And uh, Novak Djokovic, who's uh, going to be allowed to play in the French Open. Um, we are going to chat with our good stablemate, Ricardo Ball, on all things football after 11 o'clock. Uh, some Rugby League with Joel Kane previewing this weekend's uh, rugby league fixtures, um, plus a whole lot of, um, I guess, games, things to give away this morning, stumped by Sammy, it's been called. Um, What's making news back in the day? What happens next? We're merging a little bit of the afternoon show uh, and the morning show together. And uh, as I said, we are here through until 1.30 before our commentary team give you live coverage of the White Ferns v South Africa from Hamilton. And speaking of that match and speaking of this great show, uh, Ian Smith, the man that uh, is usually in the hot seat but is uh, is doing commentary for Sky for the Cricket World Cup, uh, joins us on the show now. Smithy, um, you in Hamilton, the city of dreams, the land of the great, the uh, where cricketers are made? City of the future, city That's of the Simon one. Dool, therefore the city, the city of swing, as Simon Dool would say. <laughs> so um, that is exactly where I am, my old mate. So, uh, and it's beautifully warm, hot day, so... Uh, everything everything on the line today. It is, Smithy, a massive game for the White Ferns today. Everyone's well aware of the equation um, that lies before them. When you sit back and assess uh, the two losses they've had so far, what's what's the key today? What do they have to make sure they get right to, to beat South Africa? Well, they just got to get runs at the top of the order for a start. I mean, that's where all their firepower is. And if they're uh, three for 20 as they were against Australia, then... Uh, it's going to take something we haven't seen to get them out of it. So that, that's the problem for me. And when you're a bit lopsided and you haven't got a lot of power uh, from about seven downwards, you rely so heavily on that top three or four. So that's where they've got to get it done today, whether they bat first or bat second. Uh, it's up to Bates, it's up to Divine, to, to Mealy Kerr and to Satterwhite again. They're the, they're the four uh, that, that are going to set up or chase well. Uh, win the toss, Smithy. What do you do in Hamilton? Look, I, I wouldn't worry me either way. They're pretty good pitches here. I, I would be thinking I'd, I'd quite like to get the runs on the board. I, uh, New Zealand, I think, would tend to chase, but uh, when you're under pressure in a competition and when you're under pressure in a match, you see that number up on the scoreboard and it almost becomes like a 12-fielder against you. So, And you start to panic a wee bit, and, and if you lose a wicket or two, then you panic a bit more. Quite frankly, I, I it's such a beautiful day here. I, I'm probably thinking it won't matter too much, but... I just, for that sake, would like to see New Zealand get out, out there and put, say, 250, 260 on the board mm. and say to South Africa, are you good enough? Um, they, the White Ferns uh, lost a 3-0 ODI series to South Africa at home uh, early 2020, last time they played. What, what can we expect from South Africa today and where are they perhaps a little bit vulnerable? Well, they're about the same as us, actually. They're a very top-heavy in the batting. Um, so, you know, they've got uh, a, an opening ca- a combination of Wolvart and Lee who uh, haven't really put together a partnership as such. Wolvart has been amazing. She's had a terrific World Cup. Uh, but Lizelle Lee is a dangerous, dangerous player. So um, we, have to, we have to look out for them at, at the top of the order because they can score and score quickly. Um, and Maritain Cup is a, a very handy all-rounder. So they've got their strengths uh, and they've got a handy bowling attack without being life-threatening or or amazing, just consistent. They'll play tough, they'll, they'll be hard, um, and of course, uh, you know, they got 
a valuable, valuable win the other night, uh, and a surprise really um, over uh, England. That was that was a big result for them. So they're three from three, and you know what it's like, um, male or female. You give uh, South Africans confidence and belief in themselves, and they're pretty tough nut to crack. So mm. this is far from easy. And as you said, uh, our record against them at home. Uh, I think we've lost the last four or five, uh, four or five matches, so not good. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the spinners uh, before the Indian game. Uh, usually a pretty spinny, uh, spinner-friendly pitch in Hamilton. Do you think spin's going to play a bit of a role today? Yeah, I do. I think spin's going to play a big role in this tournament from here on as well. Uh, and there's some very good ones. Uh, you know, Australia are packed with them. They've got two very good league spinners and uh, now they've got Gardner back, they've got a, a wonderful off-spinner, and they've got Jess Johnson, who's the highest-ranked bowler in one-day international cricket at the moment in the world, as a left-arm spinner. That is why Australia, uh, I think, is such a power pack. So they've covered every base, and they've covered it twice. Uh, I've never seen a squad in a World Cup uh, so thorough as the Australian women's team. Um, and for us, that means that we've got to look at our makeup of our side today, but because our batting's been a bit fragile... Uh, I'm not sure they're going to muck around with uh, too many surprise elements in the bowling. Uh, I think we've, we're, we're pretty much committed to uh, Maddie Green at five after the big four, and then, and then the likes of uh, Katie Martin and Frankie Mackay. I think we've, you know, it, it's calls for experience, and we ask for experience to deliver. It, it simply has to. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's some bodies that have been playing cricket there in that unit for a long, long time. All the youth is on the bench, or the Fran Jonas's of the world. Uh, the George Plummers, the youngsters are the ones uh, warming the bench at the moment looking on, and I think that that trend will continue today. So, um, yeah, uh, spin will be a factor because there's some nice juicy short boundaries at Seddon Park, and they're quite inviting, which can also lead to batting mistakes. The uh, just on the TAB at the moment, Smithy, and uh, they've got uh, New Zealand at dollar forty and South Africa at two seventy five. Does that does that sound fair to you? No, it doesn't. Uh, I think South Africa, are, uh, I think it's a lot more evenly matched than that. I think it's the sentimental money that quite often when you, the, the TAB set those odds up, uh, that sentimental money comes in because people like to back us and back our teams, a la the Warriors. How often are the Warriors mm. shorter than you perhaps think that they should be? But yeah, I, I'm thinking uh, this game is, uh, that sort of sets up a quite a comfortable New Zealand win. I think it's anything but that. The, just looking at the table as well, it, it's quite interesting because India are just above us on basically just on net run rate. We're both on four points, two wins from uh, four games in the West Indies as well, but that's a, a net run rate um, position for them just below us. And then England, who picked up the win. I mean, is there any chance that England could squeeze their way in if, I guess, say we lost today and the West Indies dropped another one? Or do you think it's really just about the West Indies, New Zealand and India? No, I think there's a, it's a big chance that um, England is still in this, and that makes that game at Eden Park uh, between us and them absolutely crucial. Mm. Um, you know, just so important that game, and I'm hoping I'm hoping today we'll, we'll get a really big crowd in Hamilton, and I'm hoping we'll get a decent one at Eden Park at the weekend as well. That is a hell of a double header um, between the four sides who probably, before this competition began, were ranked in the top four in the tournament, all playing this weekend at Eden Park, so that'll be That'd be really cool, but uh, the games have got to matter, which means we've got to win today. And um, I, I kind of, uh, I think we will win today, but it's it's going to be far from it's far from easy for me. England could sneak in uh, through the back door. I think we're, we're trying to, even as late as the breakfast this morning, I was with a statistician trying to work out the ramifications. Uh, he he seems to think that four wins will get you in, um, and uh, I don't. So you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking, well, if three or four teams 
uh, are stuck on four points. Surely run rate will, he doesn't think run rate will be a factor. So we'll just mm-hmm. see who's right out of that. And today will be another step in that direction. So um, I think the only sides you can really count out at the moment are Bangladesh and uh, Pakistan. I just hope for all of our sakes, Smithy, it doesn't come down to net run rate because no one really knows how to make those calculations. Just finally, mate, a um, little bit of an aside, actually. Um, COVID um, ripping through Super Rugby at the moment, got a lot of postponements and cancellations. It's, it's pretty remarkable that, that we haven't really seen it at all affect this Women's World Cup, isn't it? No, it is, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm staying in a hotel in Hamilton now, and there are three teams staying here. Um, and they eat in a different area um, from the general public, such as us. Uh, they don't mix much, but we're on the same floors in hotels. I mean, I just walked past two Pakistani players uh, as I was taking this call. So, I mean, we're all... Um, they, most people are wearing masks. Uh, some aren't from time to time, but, uh, hey, it is amazing it hasn't hit here yet. I think we've had two commentators who've been afflicted with it, and well, we've had a, a little bit of isolation there, but... It has been quite staggering that um, at this point it hasn't been affected to the extent that perhaps uh, we might have thought. I think what Ash Gardner from Australia, and I haven't heard too much about anyone else, not one other player. Mm. Yeah, no, it is remarkable and great that we are, we are seeing all these teams in action. Um, Smithy, massive game today. Uh, enjoy it down there in Hamilton. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a great afternoon. We can't wait. Um, thanks for coming on, mate, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All good. Cheers, guys. Thank you. There you go. Smithy, uh, the man who usually sits in this chair for this show. It is his show. We're just uh, sitting in um, until he gets back from World Cup duties. There you go. What do you reckon um, today? What reckon, what, what happens this afternoon? Um, the White Ferns, South Africa. Do you think the White Ferns have what it takes? South Africa undefeated, and as Smithy said, um, have our number at home um, over the last few years. So um, can we see the White Ferns getting up over them? And who for you needs to step up? Who's the, who is our key player today? Is it Sophie Devine? Is it Amelia Kerr, Susie Bates in the batting? Is it, you know, Leah Tahuhu and Jess Kerr in the bowling? Who, who is the key um, this afternoon? Because it's a very important match, a must-win match, really, for this World Cup. Um, that was Smithy. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we've got the Dilmar Expertise Panel. Ross Carl and James Regan, they're joining us after this. Expertise panel brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. Well, that actually makes me want a Dilma, to be honest. I, uh, I'll put it in my flask uh, for a bit later on. Uh, we're celebrating 30 years of Dilma in New Zealand with the Dilma Expertise panel and uh, very uh, privileged to be joined by uh, Sky Sports Ross Carl and News Hub's James Regan for the panel today. Lots to get our uh, teeth sunk into here, lads. Uh, Super Rugby, we'll talk a little bit of cricket, uh, a bit about the Warriors and uh, a few other bits and bobs going on over the weekend. Um, Ross, uh, we'll start with you. Um, Super Rugby, pretty uh, pretty hardly hit by uh, COVID this week with uh, two games cancelled and now Chiefs and Wana Pacifica, the only game going ahead. Is, is the competition in a little bit of trouble here, given that we're, we're going to have to have a lot of make-up games towards the end with not a lot of space to fit them in. Yeah, but it is what it is, isn't it? Uh, it's just what we've got to do in these days and ages. I, you know, I, there's not much you can really say about it as far as anything else they can do to try to prevent the situation. They've just got to try to play their games. They're committed to playing on the side of the Tasman. 
they committed to Queenstown and they didn't commit to Queenstown and they ended up in this position. As far as Sky's concerned, you know, we, we're having to pivot on a dime um, yep. to react to COVID and get these things done. And over a couple of years, the live crew, Marcus Kennedy and his team, have become very, very good at doing it at very short notice, you know. This weekend, going from three games that were supposed to happen to all of them canned and one that was never supposed to happen happening. Uh, <laughs> and it'll get to air. So it's difficult, but... You know, uh, we we know what storm rounds are. We've seen it throughout Bunnings NPC. These players will have to have their chance to do it now, and we will have to go through the competition and and they'll learn how to test their squads during storm rounds. If they're not tested already enough with COVID. Uh, it, yeah, we'll see how it adapts, and then we see what happens when the Aussies join and, and how that adds an extra thing to it. James, um, just from your point of view, I guess one of the most disappointing parts in all of this is, is Moana Pacifica, who we've all talked about, because now they've lost about three or four games, which um, is going to make the schedule really tough, which is, you know, it's going to make it more hard for them, given that it is their first year. They're still sort of trying to work out their, their team identity, their, their, their makeup, um, how they play the game. Um, so just really disappointing probably for them more than anyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's a real shame, and we have when we when we have seen them, they they've looked pretty good, haven't they? And they've certainly brought, brought uh, something different to the competition. They were pretty good against the Crusaders, but yeah, as Ross said, uh, Ross Carl always right, obviously. But yeah, it's just what you've got to do. And but uh, yeah, for Moana, a real shame. I'll bring up this um, text that's actually just come in from Mark in Lower Hut on the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight double three. Um, he's pretty strong. He says Super Rugby should be canned for the year. It's a lost cause due to COVID. Who cares if the ABs are underdone? Surely the health and well-being of the players and support staff should take priority over a sporting competition which is fast losing relevance with fans. Um, do you do you agree with that at all, Ross? Well, I don't agree with that and that I see every day and, and talk to Players Association about what's going on and everyone's doing their very best to make sure that these players are up to speed. And we've seen over time that there's a huge commitment to that. For instance, teams not being able to come back a week directly after COVID, they have to go and get some good training out of them to make sure they're not going to get injured the following week. Those kind of things are happening. Those things are in place to look after these players. So that is the first and foremost thing that they'll do. They won't throw them under the bus. Yes, it's not the competition we expected it to be. No, it hasn't been for two years. But these guys need to play. They've got contracts. These are jobs. You can't just cancel these things. There are people in the back office who are getting paid, and money needs to come in to make sure that these people continue to live their lives. And it's completely irresponsible to cut the rugby completely because then you're cutting their income. And it makes no sense. Mm. Uh, cricket, we've got a big game today, very big game for the White Ferns. It's it's a must win against South Africa. Um, South Africa undefeated at the tournament. Uh, James, what do you what do you reckon is the key for the White Ferns today? What do they ha- what do they have to get right to make sure they beat South Africa? I think everyone needs to bat well and contribute, which we haven't really seen um, a lot of from the White Ferns. They've usually relied on a couple of players to to get them through. I think they have to have runs right down the order. The bowling's been pretty good. They've, they've managed to keep the, the opposition at bay from that point of view, but the batters really have to step up today and, and someone needs to step up and take the game, um, take control of the game because that's what's been lacking from the side. I think obviously you would have wanted the White Ferns to, to be winning every game, but next best thing I think is a must win um, and you know pressure on uh, World Cup cricket. It's great. 
uh, Ross, what are you? Who do you think is a, is a key player today? If you could single out one player in that White Ferns lineup that that you know is going to really make a difference this afternoon, who would you pick? It's just got to start at the top and limited overs cricket. It's about getting those runs on the board real early and getting them hard and fast. So making sure that Bates, Devine, Satterthwaite have got runs on the board. That's what it's all about. I think they've got the bowling lineup to defend a solid total. And they've obviously got the batting lineup to chase a solid total we've seen in recent times. But it's all about that top order. And if those runs are had, then they're not going to get themselves into any trouble. You know, they will be still ruining that West Indies loss. They'll still be thinking about the fact that they threw that away and put themselves in the situation where they are now. But, you know, when you look, the Pakistan game that they'll have last is very, very winnable. Um, the England game is very winnable because, what, they just beat India, but they lost their first three straight. And the South African team, well, that's going to be the challenging one. So, you know, they've got what it takes to do it. They've got the players in there to do it. They just need to get those runs on the board. Could you see any team beating Australia? I mean, we've talked about them ad nauseum since the start of the tournament. But, you know, even in a one-off in a final, do you, do you think any of the sides from two through to eight have any chance of beating Australia? Uh, just for me? Yep. Yes. I I think we saw last World Cup that they lost to India, right? And it can happen in a one-day international. We've seen it throughout the history of, of both the men's and the women's games that on any given day something can happen and things can fall apart. But it's like the All Blacks whenever anyone says to you, are you back in the All Black this week? Well, history says, you know, 85% winning record. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, you know, that's where you put your money, right? It has to be on the Aussies. But there is always a chance. Always a chance. We need the um, we need the clip from uh, who is it? The uh, you're telling me there's a chance. Dumb, dumb. dumb and dumber. That's right. Dumb and dumber. You're telling you. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, James, um, the TAB. I asked Smithy this question. The TAB have uh, New Zealand at a dollar forty this afternoon uh, versus South Africa at two seventy five. Do you think that's fair, or or are you on Smithy's side and that uh, that's maybe just a little bit of sentimental money? Yeah, it, it's hard. I think I'd back the white fern. Definitely for this one, I think the World Cup on home soil, they'll they'll pull something out of the bag. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how that kind of goes and and whether the money does come in. But yeah, I'd, I'd go the white fins all the way to that. Brilliant. Uh, hold on the line, you two. We've got a couple more topics that I really want to get into. Uh, we've got news coming up very shortly. Um, love the text from Mark there on double eight double three. If you want to ask the panel a question, uh, please send us a message and uh, I'll put it to the lads. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Warriors. Um, Novak Djokovic as well, who's going to be allowed to play at the French Open. Um, they've opened the doors to, to uh, unvaccinated players. Um, and... Uh, Another question that I, I don't know if these guys go, know I'm going to throw at them, but Formula One starts this weekend. I want to know if they're Formula One fans and if they've watched Drive to Survive because that's why I, why I got into Formula One. But uh, we'll chat uh, all of those uh, coming up after news, uh, which is coming up right now. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. Yes, the expertise panel. We're joined by uh, Ross Carl out of Sky Sport and James Regan out of News Hub. Uh, let's talk a little bit of rugby league, fellas, and uh, the Warriors taking on the Titans this weekend. Uh, James, we'll start with you. I know you're a big uh, rugby league fan. Lots of changes um, for the Warriors this week, uh, some forced, some unforced. Uh, what have you made of Nathan Brown's 17 heading into round two? Yeah, pretty interesting. There's certainly... Um taken a bit of damage in that first game and lost a couple of key players with, with Sean Johnson and, and Dallin Watson as the Lesniak. 
interesting what he's done in the halves. No doubt he had to bring Reese Walsh back for this one because they missed Reese Walsh massively last week. I thought they just didn't have that extra spark that they needed to get another try. But yeah, dropping Cody Nakarima out, um, a senior player, you know, a, a cool head in, in some tough situations. But great to see. I'm a huge uh, Chanel Harris Tavita fan, so. Great to see him in there, and Ash Taylor will will be out to prove a point against the Gold Coast um, after they cut him loose as well. So, interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see when Johnson does come back, who ends up being his long term partner. Because regardless of who it is, they need to they need to have a stable partnership in the halves. So, a chance, another chance for these guys to prove themselves. And, and yeah, rough on Cody, but um, we'll see how they go. Uh, I'm not sure where you sort of stood at the start of the season, James, whether you were uh, having the Warriors in the top eight, whether you thought they were going to struggle. But um, from what you saw last week um, against the Dragons, uh, you know, classic Warriors fans, 50% 50 of people think the world's ending and the other 50% are are still behind them. Where do you sit? Do you think that they, last week was indicative of perhaps how they're going to be this season or or do you still give them a chance to, you know, get their season on track and, and potentially crack the eight? There's certainly a chance, but there are a host of teams who are a chance as well. It just comes down to whether you can win those tight games. It would have been great to see them win last week, obviously, because the Dragons are another one of those teams who are going to be pushing for that eight spot. So it, it certainly hurt, I think, because a lot of Warriors fans would have been confident that they could have knocked over the Dragons and gone into this Gold Cup game with a bit of confidence. But there's a lot of work to do. I think that showed there were there were signs of, of good things. I think Sean Johnson was good. He was a, a safe pair of hands for most of the game. Bringing Reese Walsh back in this week is huge. Um, and there's certainly a chance, but make no mistake, there was a lot of work to do and a lot of work uh, away from the from the actual game in terms of winning those close games. I think that still needs to be done for this side. Uh, elsewhere around the NRL this weekend, I uh, got Storm Rabbits tonight. The Rabbits are uh, going down last week, which is a which is a little bit of a surprise to the Broncos. Um, then the Roosters Seagulls, which is a very uh, tasty matchup tomorrow night. It's the late night game. Uh, both teams lost in round one, but uh, many have them as uh, top four favourites. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on that one, Ross. Um, Watching the NRL last weekend, it, it seemed very different to uh, to twenty twenty one. The game seems a little bit slower. People have talked about um, the new six again law change. Now you get a penalty uh, if you're in your own forty, um, and a team slowing the game down a little bit. And it, it seemed to bring um, the the scores a lot closer last week. Do you think um, that's going to be the story for the season that we're going to see a, a lot closer matches than potentially we did in twenty twenty one? Um, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But it, it is good to see that kind of law change make a big difference immediately. Um, so often we see law changes um, from other sports, and I'd say the NRL is probably a leader in this of making law changes when they need to and as they need to and have them make positive changes, mm. and then everyone else follows. So well, I, I would back the NRL to have made a law that will work with the competition throughout because of their history of, of doing things like that. Um, so, yeah, a slower game is what we want. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do we want to see more tries? Do we want to see blowouts at times? I I quite like to see a try. And if a team can blow out, it kind of shows the difference. Do we want to bring the mediocre teams back in towards the better teams just to make a game closer? Or do we want to encourage teams to get better at what they do? 
start. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it, it's a great point because um, the, those teams last year, when you look at teams like the Sea Eagles, the Panthers, who yeah were able to rack up you know forty points a game and, and score basically off any play, was very exciting to watch. But I guess from the NRL's point of view, you know, a closer competition is is better for them because it keeps all the fans engaged for longer. Um, what team surprised you the most last weekend? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say that I was surprised that the Dragons were able to pull away by that much in the last 20 minutes. As a person who's watched the Warriors their entire lifetime, I probably shouldn't be. But, you know, at 16 all, that did not feel like what was going to happen next. And maybe that was a combination of the Warriors falling off and the Dragons clicking. But I, I did not see that coming. What about you, James? Was there a team that uh, that stuck out for you last weekend that uh, potentially people didn't um, have in their equations at the start of the season that, that really surprised you? Yeah, probably the Broncos, just with how good they were, especially defensively. The Rabbitohs aren't the same team as they were last year. That much is, is clear, but they will get better, obviously. But the Broncos just just held out and they, they were so tough, especially on defence, and they've got X-Factor players, um, the, the concern again. Katani Staggs was, was everywhere in that game, I thought. Um, and they will be one to watch. If they can just keep building and, and keep keep those basics um, together, then they'll be they'll be one to watch for sure. They've had uh, pretty much had the best forward pack in the comp for the last few years, almost unanimously um, called that by the experts, but just haven't really seemed to piece it together. So it will be interesting to see uh, how they carry on. Um, one final one for you, lads. Uh, Formula One starts this weekend, and I just have to ask uh, if either of you are Formula One fans and if you've uh, watched Drive to Survive. We'll start with you, Ross. Uh, Jimmy knows that I love the commuting. Just uh, huge into commuting, so I, <laughs> I, no, I don't really watch the motorsport that closely, mate. Um, I'm more into ball sports, so I, I have not watched Drive for Five, and I have not watched Formula One, and I don't know how long outside of the sports news. James, what about you? Uh, I, I hadn't watched Drive to Survive. I've just started the new season based um, on what happened last year between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Maybe because there's no Super Rugby this week, Ross will have to watch something else. The superior code <laughs> of the Rugby League is obviously in full swing. It's such a shame that Super Rugby's um, gone the way it has. But there's plenty of other sports out there, Ross, including obviously Rugby League and Formula One. So maybe the keep, chance keep to try something new. Keep selling it. <laughs> Fantastic. I tell you what, it's uh, when you look at the numbers, and, and Formula One have done a pretty good job of being transparent about their viewership uh, each year. And when you look at the numbers, Drive to Survive has just absolutely transcended um, the popularity of that sport. And uh, I bet there's a lot of Kiwis that are setting the alarm for 4am on, uh, on Monday morning for Bahrain. Um, you've got to be pretty brave and, and pretty uh, into it to, to wake up that early. Um, lads, thanks heaps for joining us uh, today on the Dilmar panel. Always uh, good to have your thoughts, and uh, we'll catch up with you both soon. Cheers, thanks, mate. mate. Thanks, Ross. Good work, Jimmy. There you go. Ross Carl from Sky Sport, James Regan from News Hub joining uh, us on the Dilmar Expertise panel. Uh, we're coming up 20 minutes to 11 here on SENZ. Uh, Sam Hewitt sitting in the big chair while... Uh, well, actually, I'm sitting in for Staffy who is sitting in for Smithy normally, while Smithy does uh, commentary um, for Sky at the cricket. Um, we've got a couple of text messages in here I just want to read out quickly on double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine. Liam says, uh, can't, seeing us win- uh, can't see us winning today. The biggest problem with the White Ferns is their mental strength. They seem to always go missing 
in the big games. That's an interesting point, Liam. Um, I spoke with uh, actually spoke with Smithy earlier about uh, in, earlier in the week about this, and um, he said that was a little bit harsh to, to just label the white ferns. He thinks that actually the black caps in general, uh, uh, sorry, cricket in general. Uh, when you look at the black caps, uh, we have we seem to struggle New Zealand when it comes to the, the big moments. Of course, the Test Championship is the uh, exception to that, but uh, a few World Cup finals that we haven't uh, been able to perform in. Um, so maybe that's more of a New Zealand cricket thing than just a White Ferns thing. Um, but you know, there, there is, I think, a little bit of a question mark over over the White Ferns, and today is really the day where they've got to prove it. Um, if they can get up today, then you'd think that um, they can press on and, and potentially win their last two games and crack on into the semis and the final. But if they lose, that'll do a lot of uh, a lot of negative for their confidence. Um, Dave's text in saying, "Hey guys, was Hannah Rowe selected in the team today? If she is, I I feel she needs to step up." Also, just taking some of those crucial catches and tightening up in the field, and we should do well. Uh, cheers, Dave. Uh, Dave, I just am uh, pulling up the uh, squads for today um, and scrolling down. I can tell you that Hannah Rowe, she is in the um, she is named in the squad in the fifteen, but um, I'm guessing we're not going to find out the eleven until uh, closer to the time, probably closer to the toss. So um, we'll let you know uh, what the final squad is, but. Um, I take your point on board. Uh, if you've got a comment about the game this afternoon, how you think the White Fins are going to do, where's the game going to be won and lost, uh, you can text us on double eight double. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Love it. The Irish Jigs coming to SNZ St. Paddy's Day. Give us a text. What are you doing for St. Paddy's Day? You're down at the pub already, tucking into some Guinness. Is Guinness Irish? I don't want to yeah, say it. Is. Thank I, I did the Guinness tour a few years ago oh. in Dublin. It was awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you go around the whole factory, and then up at the end there, they've got a rooftop bar overlooking Dublin, and oh. they pour you, pour your pint, mate. It's outstanding. That is brilliant. Fantastic. Text us in double eight double three how you're uh, celebrating St. Paddy's Day. And actually, Paddy, who uh, who texts us quite a bit, Paddy and Jack, I haven't heard from you in a while, Paddy. What are you up to, mate? Are you still out there? Or if uh, anyone knows Paddy, what, what's going on? Is Paddy, um, has he stopped listening to SCNZ? I hope not. Um, text us on double eight double three. Um, Logs Swinks, you wanted to bring up something, mate. You got a story there? Yeah, a big story around you know the sporting traps for a while now is obviously being Chelsea selling Chelsea. What's going to happen there with Abramovich? You know his assets getting frozen. Mm. Uh, interesting little twist in the tale here. Apparently, the owners of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, have teamed up with Citadel founder Ken Griffin. Ooh. Don't know of any relation here to Ken Griffin Jr. or not. Uh, to work on a bid to buy the club, uh, clubs, uh, the Cubs owners, the Ricketts family, and Griffin have formed an investment group, which is set to make a formal offer for the London club later this week. So wow. can you just imagine that Chicago Cubs and Chelsea. Yeah, well, there's um, Liverpool, aren't they? Owned by the um, by the American group. Um, LeBron James is a part of that, isn't he? But they own. What, who do they own over in America? Red Sox? It is Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, Red Sox and Liverpool. Um, see, the thing with the American owners, and I, I remember talking to a football journalist about this last week, the thing with American owners is that they want the teams to make money, so they buy into it as an investment. And so they buy into Chelsea, they want the club to make money, which you'll see with teams like Arsenal generally means that they're not going to spend a lot 
Um, they want to make a profit, so they don't spend a lot. They're happy to be, you know, a mid-table team or, you know, crack the top four to get a Champions League spot um, to bring in the money. Whereas oligarchs and people from Saudi Arabia, it's an ego thing. And they're happy to pour in $1.5 billion, $2 billion into a team knowing that they're not going to get that money back for the team to win because it's a it's an ego thing, it's a pride thing. So it's it's interesting when you look at the two sort of um, categories of ownership and how it's going to influence Chelsea as a club. If it goes the American way, I think hard couple of years coming for Chelsea fans where you're not going to get a lot of uh, you know that high-end talent that you're used to and you're probably not going to be challenging for titles. TBC, but it's good to see that someone's going to step up and buy them because you know we don't want Chelsea to completely fall over as a club. No, absolutely not. And I do have to wonder if people over there, the Chicago Cubs, have seen something like Ted Lasso and have thought, you know what? <laughs> what if we get our manager David Ross to Whoa. switch from baseball to to football and give that a crack? If Ted if Ted Lasso came true in the Premier League, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Why not just get Jason Sudeikis in there? He does a good job acting it. Why not put him in and see how he goes? Uh, Coming up 10 minutes to 11 here on SENZ. Uh, We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll get an update uh, from Louis Herman Watt. Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Yep, loveracing.nz, your home for everything thoroughbred racing, and we're getting an update with uh, Louis Herman Watt. Louis, what's going on, mate? Well, I'll tell you what, on Wednesday, uh, no, third Tuesday, we got to celebrate the great victory of Cameron Smith and Sam Pimfold. On Wednesday, we got to celebrate the great uh, loss of Manchester United, and today, we celebrate Highborn saluting in race four at Matamata yesterday, and what did the punters get, Sam? The punters got? No idea. Paid. The hunters got paid. You know horse racing is not my thing, um, and I know you tried to get Joe Joey to stitch me up with what happens next yesterday. Uh, Winks was about the only thing I knew. Uh, Did <laughs> you get I, it? Well, I just got Winks. Winks at a cox plate. Um, so that's all I needed. Um, what do you think about how uh, can I get an amens weighted this weekend in the Open Handicap? Race about five at Trentham, mate. Uh, uh, is it dropping weight? Is it dropping weight? Yeah, or? yeah, coming, coming, coming down, down from down, weight down, from yeah, age yeah. to, to 53 uh, on the back. Probably, um, you know, if, if, if it gets a good draw. Um. <laughs> Drawn well. Hey, would you say that the Telegraph is probably the form race of 2021-2022 season? Oh, controversial opinion, but probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that word record time really seems to be franked, isn't it? Uh, what was that? I missed that, but I think Brian said something to me in my ear. What? <laughs> okay. Um, but no, seriously, what... Um, You've given out one tip. Can you give us out another tip for this afternoon, or are you just looking at the cricket? Nah, there's no there's no racing. Oh, yes, they are. Sorry. They're racing in Ashburton. Cash burden, oh, as we call it. Cash burden, yes. Um, love it. And yes, there is one in the last. Uh, Terry just, Ray Runner. I think it's called Sacred Giant or something similar. Give me about... Just while you're finding it, do you know that text that Paul Mawadi sent to the group chat the other day? You know how he accidentally sent a message with a tip, and he said, oh, whoops, wrong chat to the producer's Did chat? Did it win? It won. Oh, Someone got on it. Someone got on it and, and, and it won. <laughs> Here you go. This is great news. Yeah. I spotted it. Yeah. The tracks are slow. Sacred yep. Giant loves it. Number one, race number nine, Cash Burden. Lisa All Press, Terry Ray. You know the strike rate's sickening. $3 in from 350 They punt the stable. Barrier one, use it, punt it. 
There you go. That's what we want. Knock, That's knock. What we want. Who's calling? <laughs> Cash Burden. <laughs> I love it. There you go, Louis. Uh, love racing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews, uh, and more. And from that, we're going straight to the TAB where you can bet live on your favourite sports. All you got to do is download the TAB app today. And we're joined by Pip Morris. Uh, g'day, Pip. What's everyone punting this afternoon? Uh, the White Ferns, I hope. They certainly are. Yes, there's been around $1,491 and another $1,200 bet on New Zealand head-to-head at $1.40. So happy to take that. And Bates is just edging out Kerr and Divine for most bets on the top one score market. So that's the way that they seem to be playing. And just quickly as well, Formula One, of course, not too far away, Monday the 25th yes. of March, the Grand Prix uh, getting underway. And we've got a good bonus back available on that too. So you can place a pre-race race one a bet on selected Formula One race. And if your driver finishes second, third or fourth, we'll refund your bet up to $50 as a bonus bet. And at the moment, the staff is taking double the bet count of Hamilton. So Really? All the money's... Interesting, interesting. I can actually tell you with the cricket, um, you mentioned the odds here, $1.40. It's coming to $1.36. So people, uh, just, as, just as they're listening to you, Pip, have, uh, have, have shifted it down. And the Formula One, uh, interesting with Lewis because uh, he's been talking all week about how slow his car is. So maybe he's just playing a few mind games. Um, but uh, that's a great bonus back promotion as well. Anything else going on this afternoon? We've got racing as per usual and plenty to look forward to. Cambridge, of course, and I just heard Louie talking about the thoroughbred side of things and we've got the harness over the weekend. So uh, plenty to tune into. And just quickly back on the cricket as well, we've got that Cricket World Cup for bonus backs. You can play for pre-match, keep the head beat on selected Cricket World Cup matches. And if your team loses in the final 10 figured overs, we'll refund your bid up to $50. But of course, we're hoping the Kiwis don't. Don't have that happen. Awesome stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Eeps, Pip. Really appreciate it. There you go, Pip Morris on the TAB. And remember, watch and bet live on all your favourite sports, and I mean all of them. They're pretty much all on there. TAB.co.nz or download the app. Gamble responsibly. Coming up 11 o'clock here on ECNZ uh, after 11. We're going to chat with our good mate Ricardo Ball, Rick Dog, on some football. Champions League underway at the moment and the All Whites World Cup qualifier this Saturday. Back after news. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Thin Lizzy, bit of Thin Lizzy to kick your 11 o'clock clock. Oh, gee, I shouldn't say clock on here, should I? <laughs> I should not say that. I, I did it I got close. I got close. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Thin Lizzy, it's an Irish band because we're celebrating St. Paddy's Day. Um, we're celebrating St. Paddy's Day. Regather yourself, Sammy. Pull it together. Pull it together. Um, <laughs> what are we going to do between now and uh, 12 o'clock? We're going to catch up very shortly with uh, Ricardo Ball, Rick Dog. He loves us St. Paddy's Day. He, he's probably got a couple of Guinnesses in hand. Um, as we as we speak, um, we're also going to find out what's making news, and of course, stump by Sammy, stump by Sammy. After eleven thirty, your chance to win a fifty dollar TAB voucher and some sleep drops. <sighs> Tasty. I tell you what, if there's ever a day that to um, play stump by, whatever it is, Smithy, Staffy, Sammy, today's the day because um, 
Smithy's obviously good behind the stumps. Staffy is a is a worthy replacement. I never played wicketkeeper in my life. So um, I was I was one of those classic high school cricketers um, that batted ten and never bowled. So just a fielding all rounder, just a fielding all rounder. Um, but we're going to talk football now um, with uh, Ricardo Ball. If you got any footy questions, give us a text double eight double three the temper the bed post text machine. There are a few questions coming in um, that I'm going to pose to uh, Ricardo. But um, he joins us now. Rick, uh, am I right, mate? Do you have a Guinness in either hand? Uh, not quite yet, not quite yet. I've, I, I, once I realised I, I had uh, work responsibilities, I put the, uh, the Guinness Field lunch off a little bit, so uh, you, you got me copious mentors. P- pacing yourself, mate, pacing yourself. I like to hear it. Uh, what, what, where, where are you going this afternoon? Oh, surely, uh, surely a trip down to the pub? Yeah, yeah, there's a place uh, out, uh, out in West Auckland called Brick Lane. And it uh, it pours the best Guinness pint in West Auckland, and Ooh. on days like this, they do a Guinness pot pie as well with mushy peas and, and mash and stuff. And yeah, it's just a, it's just a die for, mate. Do you uh, do, you, do you get in behind? Do it every year. Do, yeah, do you get in behind St Paddy's Day? Do you have a, an Irish tie somewhere in the in the family heritage? Yeah, yeah, the old man side of the family's uh, pretty pretty heavily Irish. Um, and my my grandfather had uh, the old uh, heart of Erin tattooed on his. On his uh, right bicep, mm. uh, which he got done in Egypt before he stripped off to invade Italy, uh, Second World War. And wow. when he passed, I got it done on the forearm. And we've got still got plenty of rallies we stay in touch with in Ireland. So, yeah, we've got, we've got roots over there, mate. Brilliant, brilliant. Love it, love it. I do love a St Paddy's Day as well. We're playing Irish tunes uh, all throughout the show, um, so we're getting into the spirit of it. Um, we're getting on to, to talk footy as we always do, Rick, and um, let's start with the Champions League uh, this morning. Uh, Chelsea winning their match uh, 2-1, which uh, which takes them 4-1 ahead on aggregate through to the next round. And uh, Juventus going down 3-0 to Villarreal, so 4-1 on aggregate. And uh, was that at home for Juventus? It was, yeah, that, and that's uh, that's the thing. Juve have have oh, let's, let's just put it bluntly, they've sucked in Champions League the last three years. Um, this is the third year in a row they have gone out to an underdog in the round of sixteen. Um, so uh, it was Leon, I think, last year and the year before. I can't remember who it was, but it was a another less fancy team. And you know, to be fair, I thought, well, you know, that's happened twice. They will have learned. That's not going to happen again. Uh, this Lille side, uh, they might have won the French League last year. They lost a couple of players. They're struggling a bit this year. They're kind of about sixth in the French League. So I thought, you know, Juve will get them back to Turin. Uh, with Dusan Vlaovic up front, the new signing from Fiorentina. I thought they'll take care of business. It, it shouldn't be an issue. So uh, 3-0 was a real shake-up. And, you know, props to Villarreal. They play some really good football. They're not a team of stars, uh, but they, they play really well together. They have a great system. And, uh, you know, they've done the, I was going to say the unthinkable other than the fact it's been done the last two years. So they've not Juventus out in the, in the, in the round of 16. And uh, in the Chelsea game, um, Lyol, so they went in, what was that? Was Chelsea up 2-0 uh, on two aggregate? Nil, yeah. yeah, okay, so, yeah, so able to yeah, get the job done. Were they wearing the, uh, the three on the shirt? Uh, to be honest, I didn't see. I was watching the other game. So, I, but I, from what I understand, the, uh, all the sponsors were gone. Uh, so Hyundai as well, who were the sleeve sponsor, were gone. So, wow. sounds like they're going to. Uh, they will have been running around in blue t-shirts pretty much. Yeah, they, I know they struggled. Their kit manager struggled against Norwich to go find some around town. Um, is it a little bit surprising that they're doing? They're sort of keeping up their um, their success given everything that's going on in the background. Sometimes when you see these stories, you know, clubs can sort of fall apart as a result. But Chelsea seem to be just, mm-hmm. you know, keeping on and. and in both the Premier League and the Champions League. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, Thomas Tuchel uh, has to be lauded because he's dealing with you know a really difficult situation, not of his making. Uh, you know, so he's he's the manager of this team. Uh, he's having to field callers about the owner or slash former owner Roman Abramovich about the impact of the war in Ukraine. All these things have got nothing to do with his job, um, but he is fielding them well. He's he's giving answers. He's um, respecting the situation, um, and then saying, look, you know, at the end of the day. This stuff is out of my control. It's not ideal, but uh, I've got a job to do. And I think, to an extent, this reminds me of something uh, that really good managers do. You would have seen Brian Clough or Sir Alex Ferguson or, or one of those guys do this. They would have gone, they would have built a fortress mentality within the dressing room. They've gone, it's us against them. Everyone hates us. Everyone's against us. Everything's going wrong. The only people that can help us out of this are us. And he's creating that kind of mentality in the team. And I think that's why they, uh, they're they doing so well at the moment. It's just... Uh, We'll see how it goes long run. I don't know how long you can keep that up, but I, I think uh, that he's doing a great job at the moment and that should be recognised. We'll come back to Chelsea because i got text in here from Chris uh, around the ownership of the club. But um, just the other Champions League games. So we've finished the round of 16. Um, Bayern, Liverpool, City, Real Madrid, um, Atletico, Benfica, Villarreal and Chelsea are now going to be um, the eight teams that are left. Who... Who's sort of looking the most likely out of all of them, do you think? Who's looking the best to uh, to sort of crack on and potentially win the title? I, I don't think you can go past Manchester City at the moment. Um, you know, I mean, they put their tie to bed uh, really early against Sporting Lisbon. They went to Lisbon and won 5 0. I mean, in a round of 16 knockout tie. That doesn't happen often. Uh, and then they just took it back home, played a bunch of kids, and drew nil all the second league. So they managed that really well. And I think on their day, they're better than any other team uh, that's currently in it. Um, that said, obviously, Liverpool uh, and, and uh, are going to be there or thereabouts like they are in the league. And the other one, I don't think Bayern this year, I, they just feel like they're, they're leaking too many goals. But I, I do, I, as a little, it's, hard, it's funny to say this, but as a smoky, if you like, Real Madrid, um, like, like they could ever be a smoky, but you know they are probably not where they would traditionally be in terms of playing strengths, and uh, they have had financial issues and things. But the way they are uh, treating La Liga and the way Carlo Ancelotti had them, you know, knock out PSG at home, a PSG side with Angel Di Maria, Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar, and they were two 0 down in that tie and came back and won three two. I don't think you can discount Real Madrid, so those would be my top three. Elsewhere in the football world, we've got the All Whites playing a World Cup qualifier this weekend against Papua New Guinea. Um, I always think it's just how high the score is going to be in these games, not whether or not they win or lose. But um, what what are the All Whites going to be doing this weekend? They're just going to be trudging out a, a bunch of young guys. How's the how's the squad looking? The, Danny Hay uh, needs to be applauded at the job he's done because he's done a really good job in difficult circumstances. I mean, most people will know now about. Uh, these World Cup qualifiers have the first sort of two games are going to sit outside the official FIFA window. So players like Chris Wood uh, and, you know, Elijah Just and Libby Kikache, uh, their clubs don't have to release them uh, because it's not an international window. So what he's managed to do is he's managed to cobble together a squad of 30. He's done deals with clubs left, right and centre. He's... Um, you know, really grown his relationship with a lot of clubs and able, uh, uh, able him to be able to get players to come outside an international window, uh, which I, I think is, is really good on his part. So there's a squad of 30. They can have a match day squad of 23, and he can just name which 23 it is on the day. So, you know, uh, it will be a, a, less, uh, a less strengthened squad uh, for the first two games. But that said, I mean, you know, he's going to have Ollie Sale uh, probably in goal, who I think at the moment is the best keeper we have on form. 
he's going to have Winston Reid as well, who has been training in Dubai with Stephen Taylor, and uh, uh, while he doesn't have a club, he'll be he'll be fighting fit, and he'll have a ton of experience. Uh, so him, you know, sort of at the back, I think you've already got the start of a of a pretty good spine. Uh, I think Clayton Lewis is going to be there from the Phoenix. He's been, uh, you know, he's going to play the first couple of games and then head back. Uh, you know, and you've got someone like Ben Wayne, the Wayne train who uh, played under Danny at the Olympics um, as well from the Phoenix. So I think they'll have enough to get past Papua New Guinea. Um, although, you know, things are improving in the islands. There's a lot of money going in development from FIFA coaching, that sort of thing. Fiji is the second game. That's going to be a lot tougher. They've got some guys who, uh, I think they've got about three or four that play uh, in at, at Central Coast Mariners, either in their uh, top side or in their reserve side. And then they've got Roy Krishna, of course. So they will be more of a challenge. It'll be a tougher game. And then by game three, uh, that he will have his full strength squad. Um, you mentioned a couple of Phoenix players in there. They're playing uh, tomorrow night against Newcastle. Um, they lost last week's game um, to bottom of the table. How how much is that going to affect them this week, not having um, a lot of those all-whites guys in the team facing a Newcastle Jets team that is also um, uh, languishing at the bottom of the table? Yeah, it's going to be tough, I think. Uh, I mean, luckily, they've got some really good imports in the likes of Scott Wooten, who uh, I'm going to be talking to on the show tomorrow. Uh, the uh, English centre-back, they've signed David Ball, Gary Hooper are still there. Uh, you know, Sandoval, Piscopo, if he's fit. So they've got a very good team. Um, it's just a pity that you know, they've lost Alex Rufa for the season because mm. he's not in the all-white mix for whatever reason, and he would have been a great uh, middle-of-the-park player to have there without Clayton Lewis. So it's interesting to see what they do. I think there's every chance Louis Fenton starts at right back, and you see Tim Payne pair with Nicholas Pennington in the in the centre of the park uh, where you'd normally have Lewis and Rufa. Uh, but then when R- Lewis comes back, Payne goes because he's seen as to be uh, the number one right back for the all-whites at the moment. So they've got a bit of work to do. Um, and, you know, they played Newcastle only two weeks ago and beat them 3-2. Uh, but, you know, Newcastle outshot the Phoenix in that game. And I think while one of their goals was probably offside uh, and, you know, they, they shouldn't have been that tight, I think Ufuk Tale wouldn't have been that happy with that performance despite the win. And uh, they will have been working on that. And I, I think, you know, the Brisbane game was a wake-up call for them. They should have won that game, but they mm. came out really lethargic. Uh, they, they looked tired. And um, maybe that's a case because they've been, they've been playing twice a week for the last, you know, what, six, seven weeks. Maybe that's caught up with them. So maybe in a way these, uh, you know, all-watch players disappearing uh, for, for this game and some of the guys who have been getting lots of bench time uh, might actually freshen up the squad and might do for uh, Talaya favour. Have we heard anything out of the Phoenix um, in regards to the announcement yesterday about coming back, you know, uh, Australians uh, allowed to be coming back into New Zealand and, and, you know, not having to quarantine, that sort of thing? Is uh, is the Phoenix come out and said anything about the return home, potentially? Not officially. Uh, I think David Dome has, has said a couple of things on Twitter. He's he, he, The GM, he's, he's quite active on Twitter. Um, so, you know, he has suggested that it is something they are looking at and they want to make happen. They're just trying to work the logistics because you've got to remember that while they can get New Zealand and Australian players in and out, no problem, they've got a bunch of imports. They've got, you know, mm. three guys with English passports. They've got a guy with a Mexican passport. So um, those things are probably things they need to suss out and see if they can get the whole squad in without having to quarantine or not. And that will probably, I would imagine, uh, be a big factor in what decision they make in the end. 
Just finally, um, Ricardo Ball joining us here on the mornings. Um, Chris Texton, uh, we were talking about the ownership of Chelsea and um, a sort of investment group um, based around the Chicago Cubs um, going to put an offer to Chelsea to buy the club. Um, Chris has said the Americans are not passionate about soccer. They look at it as a business, while Arabs and Roman Abramovich and even Leicester City's owner are actually passionate about football. If it goes to an American owner, um, do you think you will see Chelsea not spending as much and just turning into you know a, a for-profit club as opposed to you know one of these ego projects where an owner puts a billion dollars into it and buys a whole bunch of players? Do you think that'll happen if an American investment group take over? Potentially, I think it'll certainly change the way Chelsea operate. Um, I think I was I was listening to uh, a guy the other day uh, out of the UK, out of the Guardian, talking about it. And he said over the last ten years, Roman Abramovich has put one point two million dollars or pounds into the club out of his own pocket um, because you know they don't always turn a profit. And if they want a certain player or you know they they want to do uh, you know restructure the squad, then he's been paying for it. And I don't think that would happen probably going forward because Abramovich, uh, say what you like about him, he is passionate about the football club and he wanted it to be successful. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he has a really good point because, you know, the owners of Arsenal, for example, the Arsenal fans are not happy with the owners. The owner also owns the LA Rams. And there's all this money that Arsenal have been generating and very little of it's been going back into the club. But mm. what have the LA Rams just built? Oh, you know, a new billion-dollar stadium. <laughs> Where do you think that money's come from? You know, some of that money's come from. So uh, you look at the Glazers, you know, and United fans tend not to be happy with them uh, because they, they bought the club on tick. You know, they did something that had never been done before. They effectively mortgaged the club to buy the club. Um, and, uh, you know, that angered a lot of people because up to that point, uh, they had been debt-free Manchester United. Uh, Liverpool's owners seem to be a little bit different. Um, and I don't know too much about the Cubs ownership group, so I'm not sure which category they would fall in. But, yeah, I mean, if you're a Chelsea fan, I think things are definitely going to change. I think you'll see, you know, at the moment, I think they've got something like 55 players uh, who are their players that are out on loan, and that's part of the way they do things with their academy. Um, I think that would probably change. They'll probably buy less of those players. Uh, this tr- the playing squad will probably be trimmed a little bit, uh, and a few other things would change. Is, is probably what will happen, I'd imagine. Awesome stuff. Thanks heaps for coming on, Rick. Um, go and get yourself a Guinness on me this afternoon, mate. Enjoy it. Yes, we will do. Cheers, Sammy. Go well. There you go. Ricardo Ball talking football with us here on SENZ, the morning show. Sam Hewitt sitting in for Smithy while he's away on World Cup cricket duties. A uh, few texts to read out. Uh, we'll do that after this. SENZ. I feel like I need to put on the billy, throw on the cork hat and cook a bit of steak over the open fire. Maybe put on my American Jack Link's voice and open yourself a bag of Jack Link's beef jerky. Who is this? Or a bag if you're feeling a little porky. There you go. That's the the Pogs. Dirty dirty old town. Pogs. 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 That's... um, Irish, I'm assuming, for St. Paddy's Day. Um, Irish for St. Paddy's Day. Um, I've got a couple of texts I want to read out. Before I get to that, um, the Chief squad, uh, Chief side has just been named to face Moana Pacifica. 17 players unavailable. 
17 players. So I'll read the squad. Um, Ollie Norris, Bradley Slater, Sione Mafaleo, that's the front row. Uh, Lachlan McFonnell, uh, Brody Retallick, the locks. Uh, Tupo Vai, Hamilton Burr and Peter Gus Soakulu uh, in the back rows. Uh, Brad Weber at halfback, he's the captain. Bryn Gatlin at 10. Jonah Lowe, Ramika Boyhepe, Alex Nankerville, Imani Narara, Narawa and Caleb Trask uh, all on the back line. Uh, Tyrone Thompson, Atu Molly, Solomona Tukuafu, uh, Samapeni Finau, Mitch Brown, Ravez Rehana, Joshuani and Quinn Tapia on the bench. Now, the only reason the Chiefs are playing this weekend is because it's Moana Pacifica. They're wheeling out a second string squad with 17 players unavailable, knowing that they can probably do that and still beat Moana Pacifica. If they were playing anyone else, they were playing the Crusaders, the Blues, the Highlanders, the Hurricanes. I guarantee you that game would have been postponed. That is the only reason that they're playing. In my mind, that's the only reason they're playing. Is you can't tell me they would have played that team against the Crusaders. They would have asked to, to postpone or move. Uh, big names missing. You know, Luke Jacobson, Caelan Bashir, Angus Tartavau, Sam Kane, Aidan Ross, Mitch Jacobson, Samasoni Tokiaho, Anton Leonard-Brown. A lot of big names missing for the Chiefs. Um, that's the squad that will face uh, Moana Pacifica. Um, just a quick text in here from Brendan who says, uh, what round, Sam, will you start saying next year is our year for the Warriors? Oh, look, Brendan, I'm guilty of a, of a hashtag or two on a Warriors post. Um, always confident at the start of an NRL season. Uh, you probably should be asking me when I'm going to not um, start saying it's our year which could be very, very shortly. Um, Greyhound Racing. Whoa, we got some Greyhound Racing. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Oh, that even sounds a little bit Irish. Yeah, it's the Great uh, Greyhound New Zealand Charity Run. Join us each week as we raise funds for our four New Zealand charities, all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Uh, I know the afternoon's charity is uh, Brown Butterbean, Butterbean Motivation. What do we got in the mornings? We have the great organisation that is Women's Refuge. Brilliant. Love it, Women's Refuge. So uh, we've got two dogs, two dogs running on Friday, tomorrow at Addington. Uh, get, get your pen, get your paper. Race two, number three, Verdon Bale. This is uh, this is Smithy's pick uh, for mornings. Uh, race two, number three, Verdon Bale. And uh, for afternoons, staff, uh, also at Addington, race seven, number one, Opawa Dragon. Opawa Dragon. Those are the two picks we've got for our Greyhounds for the charity run. Um, I've got two shots. If they come in, do I get the credit? Given that I was sitting... I don't know about that. I mean, there's <laughs> been a lot of people warming this seat while uh, Smithy's been on World Cup duty. Not just Staffy. You've had uh, Stephen McIver. We've had Ricardo Ball a lot as well. He's been doing plenty for the show. Of course, yeah. now I was thinking some Guinness later today, but I don't <laughs> know if you could take that credit. Okay, fair enough. We'll give it to Ricardo. He's been doing uh, He's been doing the most uh, over the last week. Uh, so those are the two dogs uh, for tomorrow night. And uh, speaking of dogs, um, dog speed on a Sunday. On a Sunday, uh, Danny Morrison... Dog speed on a Sunday from 11 till 12 on SNZ. Is that a good, I don't know if that's a good Danny Morrison. Um, hosted by our very own Ricardo Ball. Once again, the man is everywhere. And uh, Greyhound experts Mark Razanowski and Andy McCook. If you're into the dogs, um, then that's what you've got to listen to on a Sunday. On a Sunday on SNZ. Dog speed. There you go. There you go. Um, I've got another text here I want to get to. If you do have any comments um, on the cricket this afternoon... The Timber Bed Post text machine, double eight double three, or give us a call, 0800 150 811. Always love chatting over the phone. Um, 
what do you think is going to happen this afternoon? White Ferns, South Africa. Um, can you see the White Ferns getting over them? Uh, South Africa undefeated at this tournament. And uh, who needs to step up? Who's your key player? Um, who's your key player for this afternoon? Uh, someone's texting saying, uh, why are they called the White Ferns? When was the last time they played a test match? And in whites. Maybe they should be called the Black Caps as well, like the Northern Brave and the Black Sticks. Interesting point. Because um, you can sort of ask the same question of rugby. Why don't you call uh, the All Blacks, uh, sorry, the Black Ferns, the All Blacks woman? You have the All Blacks men, you have the All Blacks woman. Um, why wouldn't you have, um, I guess, yeah, the, the Black Caps men, the Black Caps women? Interesting point. I, I wonder if the teams themselves, you know, have already created a bit of an identity around the Black Ferns, around the White Ferns. So they probably aren't open or don't want to have a name change. But it's interesting. We've got teams like the Black Sticks. You get Black Sticks men, Black Sticks women. So I do uh, I do take your point. Um, someone's trying to call in here. I bet they're trying to get in early. I bet they're trying to get, uh, get in early for Stumped by Sammy, which is coming up very, very shortly, right after news. A $50 TAB voucher and sleep drops. Um, you're going to get three categories. And you've got to pick a category, and then you've got uh, three questions. And uh, if you get them wrong, and I stump you, you're gone. Got him. You'll be out. Uh, but if you get it, then um, you could win yourself uh, a TAB voucher and some sleep drops. Uh, sleep drops. And Dave just quickly texted and Sam, does Ricardo live in the studio? I have my suspicions, Dave. I have my suspicions. There's a there's an upstairs level that people don't know about, and it's got a nice little mattress that I'm pretty sure that's where Ricardo I lives. I did not know that. Very interesting. Okay, we'll uh, we'll investigate for you, Dave. You'd probably bang on the money. Uh, we got news uh, right now, and then after that, stump by Sammy. By Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Bit of a sticky wicket there on the button bar, a little premature uh, start there. It is time for Stumped, and we have Sam Hewitt in the hot seat today. Uh, can't Oof. wait for this, mate, because Ricardo Esch did it right. He's he's done all right. Staffy's okay. done okay. Uh, so the pressure is on you to no pressure, yeah. to keep up the uh, performance. I'm probably I'm probably like the Bangladesh of this uh, of that lineup. To be honest, <laughs> you're low on the table. Yeah, yeah. Smithy's yeah Australia, obviously Steffi and Rick probably yeah yeah India, uh, South Africa, and then I'm Bangladesh. So no, nah, that's fair. That's fair. So uh, for grabs today, it's fifty dollars of TAB vouchers uh, along with some sleep drops. Daytime revive. Try New Zealand sleep drops. for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. Sleep drops Auckland. That's where you could win. Joining us now at the crease, a man who is very familiar to being stumped. Charlie from Geraldine, come in, mate. Hey, mate, how you going? Good, good to have you back on the show. Uh, so, of course, you know how it goes, man. It's three sporting categories to choose from today. If you answer all three, you win it all. But you get a question wrong, it's over to Sammy. And he's warming up his gloves now. We never really played uh, wicket keepers in high school, so we'll see how we go. Uh, if, if you get stumped within the first two questions, it's on to the next caller in line. Get stumped on the final question, and we jackpot it, baby. Today's topics are track and field, rugby league, and soccer football. Take your pick, Charlie. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, we'll go track and field, eh? Soccer football. Uh, Did you say soccer football or track and field? Track and field. Oh, track and track field. field. Weird. Okay. You sort of said soccer and field. It's like you're trying to merge the two yeah, together. Yeah, I kind of thought Doesn't that work too. like that, Charlie. <laughs> All right. Cue the music. Let's go. Track and field. This one's been sitting... On the shelf for a while. Definitely not my strength. No, see, I put this category in for Staffy, thinking right, of uh, yeah. anyone pick it up because it's a very strong, strong category for the man there. All right, Charlie, first question. How many gold medals has Usain Bolt won in his illustrious Olympic career in 
the 100 metres, just the 100 metres? Holy moly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to guess it's five. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, Sammy. Mm, I'm tossing up two answers here. I'm tossing up two answers. I'm going to... Can I phone a friend? Mm, this is... No, this okay. is not... Uh, okay. Who wants to be a millionaire? Um, I'm going to go three. One of the worst things oh. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So you're still alive, Charlie. You're still alive. The correct answer is six. He's won 23 in total. Wait, did you say at the Olympics or just in general? No, just in the Olympics. In the 100 metres? Yeah. Get this. He's won 23 in total, uh, and that includes the six for the 100 metres, 10 in the 200 metres, and seven in the four by 100 metre relay. Okay. Six gold medals in the 100 metres. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, he's a picture of consistency, isn't he? All right, next question, Charlie. Eliza McCartney is the current New Zealand and Oceania record holder for women's pole vault. In metres, and I'll, I'll let you, we'll round up here. In what metres, uh, what height is that record? Holy moly, it's got to be four. Jeez. Four point, four fifty-six. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I'll admit, that is a very good stab in the dark. Over to you, Sam. How, how, what's the leeway here? Are we talking five, five centimetres? I'll go to the to the first decimal point. Four point seven five. That's that's your guess. Yeah. One of the worst things <laughs> I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You were closer, Sammy. You were closer. The correct answer is four point nine four. Wow. So if you just said four point nine, I would have given it to you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so that was back in uh, July two thousand and eighteen in Germany. So Charlie, you are still alive. Last question. Uh, $50 off for grabs and the sleep drops. The legendary Peter Snow, that's a name that's synonymous with middle distance running. Of his three Olympic gold medals, when did he win his first? Jeez. Um, Bit of history here. 1968. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Sammy, the pressure is all on. The pressure is all on. This could be, this could be your maiden stumping. 60. Oof, you know what, mate? You know what? Just a couple of chips down the Right in the slot, and the way it goes. Goddamn, God, you're out of here, Charlie. Sorry, mate. The correct answer is 1960 at Rome in the, in the 800 metres. Uh, funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, interestingly enough, Snell is the only man since 1920 to have won the 800 metres and 1500 metres at the same Olympics, and he did that in 1964 in Tokyo. Uh, okay. Unlucky, Charlie, mate. Uh, you got a great name, name my son, but uh, I, just, I was saving up all of my uh, knowledge just for that final question. Unlucky, mate. Unlucky, but but swings. I do have to go back to your Usain Bolt question because I'm 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 stumped myself. <laughs> um, you're saying six gold medals in the hundred meters at the Olympics, mm-hmm. but he that would have mean he had to go to six Olympics. Or are you talking like juniors and all that as well? No, I'm not. Uh, I mean, th- this is just what the medal tally told me. I think we need to. I think we get. Well, there's been an investigation. investigation. I think there's been an investigation to this. Brian, what are your thoughts here? 
You know what really grinds my gears? No, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an absorbed in this. Oh, stuff look at that man. He works hard. He works hard. He doesn't play hard. He works hard in the uh, in the kitchen out the back. Because um, I, the reason why I was tossing up two or three is because I know he did back to back, and I was thinking, um, oh, I was thinking Beijing and Re- and uh, London, but I was like, did he go to Rio as well? And so that's why I went three. Um, Okay, what, what, what's the answer? All right, there has been an investigation. This is a oh, bit of a... Oh, dear. This. You'll love this, everyone. This Carnage. Is, this, is, this is a bit of a rocky answer here. Probably actually should have been stumped on the uh, first question. <laughs> uh, he has won. He's won. He's come first six times. But, uh, yeah, that is including uh, World Juniors, I believe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, your answer does sort of... Uh, your question does make sense. Olympics. Because if it includes juniors, the Junior Olympics, but... Maybe it was a little bit... Um, a little premature there, just like the start of uh, stuff, but that's okay. Yes, it was Beijing, London, and Rio. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go, three. That's okay. That's okay. Um, you still he, he, you, well, like, he, you got your stumping anyway. Yeah, he, he, what did he get? Six or... No, he guessed five, didn't he? Did he go five? He went something. He went too, he went too high. Um, yeah, look, Logan... A lot of people are. Uh, I know. I've followed up the text machine on this no, one. I apologize. I apologize. It's like clickbait, isn't it? Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. But there you go. Um, stumped by uh, Sammy. So tomorrow, um, that jackpots then for uh, Ricardo. So what? A hundred dollar TB voucher and sleep drops. Whoo! You did it on purpose, didn't you, Charlie? He's going to call back tomorrow and get double double the prize. You cheeky sod. Um, got a text from Graham here. But I'm going to read that out. Uh, we'll take a very small break. And after that as well, we're going to find out what's making news around the world. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? We've uh, we've taken this segment from uh, afternoons and slotted it into the morning show um, after the the controversy of uh, stumped by Sammy, but that's okay. Um, so we're going to run through some of the weird and quirkier uh, stories from around the globe just to break up your morning. Um, the first one I've got for you boys is uh, Mike Tyson, and now look, I don't condone um, partaking in narcotics, but Mike Tyson. Um, owns a uh, marijuana company, and he's bought out edibles um, in the shape of an ear called Mike's Bites. <laughs> That's amazing, Mike's Bites. Um, and they are literally ear-shaped, and they even have like the little chewed-off bit at the top. You know how Mike's ear got chewed, how he chewed it off right at the top, um, Evander Holyfield. So... Um, that, that's a real collector's item. I know Steph would love that. Um, that's that's right up his alley, apart from them being laced with marijuana. Um, Logs, what do you got, mate? I really was wondering where you were going to go with that when you said, <laughs> uh, you know, the use of narcotics. Yeah. Yeah, interesting one there. This this one is for the soccer, ball, soccer football fans out there. Uh, a time traveller. Get Ooh. this. A supposed time traveller from the year 2743. Uh, has gone on TikTok. Would you believe they still have TikTok uh, all those years later? Really? It's still going strong? Apparently it's still so going strong. what year strong. was it? 20... 2,743. So 700 years from now, still yeah. got TikTok. <laughs> okay. Is, yeah. <laughs> we really haven't evolved as a species. Time Traveller believes, get this, put it on, England will win the Football World Cup this year. Oh, it's coming home. 
It, it, it's coming home. They had to wait that long. I mean, could they could be waiting to 2,700 for it to come home? Imagine, Who knows? Imagine if that was true. Like they they waited. They had to wait 700 years for that. How many generations is that? A generation's 40 years, isn't it? Nearly 10 generations. Yeah, you've been waiting a long time. Feels like being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, uh, to Ooh, be honest. Oh, there we go. We haven't actually revealed. We'll, we'll go. Th- we'll go there later. We'll uh, go there later. They okay. also believe this time traveler that there will be a Bigfoot sighting this year and that a huge sea creature bigger than Megalodon is set to be discovered. Uh, so if you've watched any of the recent Jurassic World films, it kind of feels like that's coming to life. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to see if those predictions come true first and if they do, then obviously put your house on England winning in 700 years because the guy knows what he's talking about. Um, I love a story about Elon Musk. In fact, I almost put an Elon Musk story in every um, What's Making News Um, because he's changed his Twitter name from Elon to Ilona after his bid to fight Russian President Vladimir Putin received attention from an infamous dictator and Russian ally, Ramzan Kadyrov. Um, He's the head of the Chechen Republic. Um, it uh, appears that uh, his threat, Musk's threat to challenge Putin, angered the leader, um, and he ordered. I'm just reading it through here. Um, he will Putin's middle name. Let me Putin's name will look unspeakable when he beats the hell out of you. You're a much weaker opponent. He snubbed. Um, oh, he he snubbed Musk. Here we go. He snubbed Musk by calling him um, Ilona. And I, and I think he didn't... It was either intentional or unintentional, but he called him Ilona. And so Musk's retaliation is to change his name to Ilona Musk, which I think is a great troll. Um, I love how Musk does that so that kind of thing. He, he's a good laugh. And um, we finish our What's Making News, as we always do, with a fact of the day. I'm scrolling through my facts, and I'm going to pick out this one. Uh, new research has revealed that older people who regularly babysit their grandchildren live longer than those who don't. So, mum, if you're listening, you can come up anytime, anytime you want and take Charlie off our hands and you'll be doing it for yourself because you're going to be increasing your lifespan. So there's you got to pass it on to your in-laws as well. I was just about both. to say, if uh, my parents want to come up from Tauranga and look after baby Madison, go for it. Please do and you, uh, you'll get an extended life. There you go. It's what's making news. It's what we do. That's what we do here on uh, on the morning shows. What we do in the afternoons. What we do in the mornings as well. Just going to rip through a couple of texts quickly um, before we take our next break. Um, Graham texts in saying, "Morning, Sam. Just wondering if you know what's happened to Mitch Carpick from the Chiefs. Is he injured or just not picked up by anyone or gone overseas? Cheers, Graham from Marlborough, formerly from Northland. Um, Graham, I know that the Chiefs didn't re-sign him for 2022. He was one of their outgoing." Uh, players for 2022 but I don't know if he's been picked up by anyone it certainly hasn't been picked up by a New Zealand side but maybe he has gone overseas to Japan um, I'll do a little bit of research for you there and see if I can um, see if I can figure that out Dave Texan Logon is that was that is that stumped is that yeah Logon oh Logon yeah, yeah, after uh, that absolute shock of uh, on okay. Stumped. Uh, I see. Another cool thing, a little story there, Charlie, who just played yes. uh, Stumped with us. This yep. is an awesome little story here where he won last week. He put that $50 bonus bet from the TAB uh, on Highborn, got a $140 return. So he's shouting out Louie there for that tip. When was that? Did he just put that? Was that not the tip that Louie just gave out before? No, it was another one. 
It was another one, wasn't it? Was it? I think it was. Um, I'm just also, um, I've just seen a headline as well. I'm just trying to find it back on here about um, the Warriors. Um, what What's sort of going to happen with them coming home uh, back across the ditch now that, um, you know, that we've got, uh, the restrictions easing for Australians wanting to come over to New Zealand, that's great for the Warriors because it means they can uh, think about coming back to Mount Smart. I know the goalposts have been moved on them a few times, so um, they've been very frustrated with everything, but they, uh, you know, the door's sort of open for them to come home, and uh, that's going to be great when they finally do. We're going to chat some league, actually, after 12 o'clock with uh, our mate Joel Kane across the ditch, SCN commentator, former player, and uh, host of the Drive Show with uh, Drive Show. Joel and Fletch. So um, we're going to do that after 12. Um, but right now, we'll just take a very small break. More texts and stories coming up after this. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ronan Keaton. Isn't he coming to New Zealand? He probably comes here all the time. I was going to say, he probably has a batch or something in New Zealand. True. No, I oh know he does love New Zealand. He probably does have a place here. Um, St. Paddy's Day. All things Irish. Uh, Ronan Keaton. What a way. What a way to send us through to 12 o'clock. Um, now, Swinks, uh, we're going to reveal to the audience a little uh, little bit of background. Uh, not controversy, but uh, rivalry is probably the word to use. Um, we have history. We do have history, me and Swinks, because um, Swinks is a big Maple Leafs fan. If you follow American sport or the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs, very iconic um, sporting franchise in North America. He's even wearing a, a Maple Leafs-themed jersey today. Um, and I'm a big Boston Bruins fan, massive Boston Bruins fan. We both lived in our respective cities, so that's where it comes from. But um, they, they themselves have a very storied history. They're both original six teams, so they're the first six teams uh, involved in the NHL. Uh, but over recent years, uh, Swinks, it's been the Bruins who have had the uh, the Leafs number, uh, particularly in the playoffs. Yeah, game sevens, they come to mind. First round exits, <laughs> they come to mind. Name it's a just... more iconic duo, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, game exactly. seven and the Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, mate, you're not wrong there. And it, it, I died a little inside when we started the show with uh, shipping up to Boston because yep. whenever I see like a Boston Bruins <laughs> montage or anything, it's always set to that song. So, I mean, it's a good song, don't get me wrong, but it just has way too many uh, links to the Bruins yep. for me. And the funny thing is, Swinks, like I, there's a few teams in the NHL that I really dislike, you know, teams like the Canadians, that we've got a very strong rivalry. I don't really dislike the Leafs because we beat them, whereas I bet you hate us. I bet you hate the Bruins. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> anyone that does follow the NHL, and if you don't, give it a shot, guys. Uh, you've got the rat. You've got Brad Marchand. I mean, that's that's all i got to say. There are players that have Skillful come through. Skillful player. Yeah, Skillful player. He's come through that have come through that franchise that are awesome. But when you think of the Bruins, I think Brad Marchand and – he licks lips. He does weird <laughs> stuff. He does weird stuff. He is a bit weird, but hey, you guys had Nazem Kadri for a while, so, uh, you know, stones and glass houses, as they say. But uh, no, it's a great rivalry. Oh, it's a great rivalry. And as Swink said, if you don't watch NHL, give it a shot. I think it's one of the best spectator sports in the world. It's fast. There's goals. There's big hits. There's fights for crying out loud, particularly between the Leafs and the Bruins. So uh, love the rivalry in the studio today. 
We're getting G'd up on it. Um, after 12 o'clock, we're talking rugby league with uh, Joel Kane from across the ditch. Uh, we'll go through round two, look at all the matchups and uh, what to expect. And TJ, Tony Johnson's going to talk, uh, talk to us after 12.30, but news is next. Starting at 1.25pm right here on SENZ, the official radio broadcaster of the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Oh, requested uh, by a one Joel Kane, who's going to join us very, very shortly. It's St. Paddy's Day, and we're playing Irish tunes throughout the day. Is this uh, the cause? Uh, runaway. I bet he's singing on the other end of the phone. Uh, we're going to talk rugby league very, very shortly. As I said, with Joel Kane, I made across the ditch. We're also going to chat with Tony Johnson this hour after 12.30 uh, about super rugby. Um, COVID wreaking havoc on the competition and more chances for you to win as well uh, with the TAB. That'll come up a little bit later on. Uh, but we've got uh, Joel Kane, SEN uh, Rugby League commentator. He hosts the Drive Show across the ditch with Joel in Sydney. He joins us now. G'day, Joel. G'day, Sam. How you doing, mate? You well? I'm very well, mate. Uh, St. Paddy's Day, do you get around it? Oh, I get around it. The cause. The cause. What, <laughs> what, a, what a band they were. They take me back to the mid-90s and... I've actually, you've been to Ireland before, Sam? What a great place that is. Oh, I haven't, mate, but it definitely is on the bucket list. I actually nearly lost my um, my now wife to Ireland. She nearly took off just when we started dating, and that could have been the end of it all, but uh, I managed to convince her to stay. So uh, the luck of the Irish, alive, uh, well and truly. I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened, Sam. My wife and I went over there, and uh, there was a bloke who was homeless, and he's selling books, and, and my, my mother sort of taught me this. You sort of try and give people time as much as you can, and... So we were having a chat with this bloke, and he was quite a charismatic bloke and chatty and had a million stories. And so we bought his books, and we weren't ever going to read them, but um, not because of him, but we're not great readers, to be honest. But <laughs> sure. So, so, so after that, later that afternoon, Sam, we went to the, um, the Wax Museum. And mm. you go through, and you see Harrison Ford, and you see Serena Williams, and you see you know, all, the, um, all the local heroes. Uh, Kylie Minogue was there. And, and as we left, the biggest... Uh, what would you call it, wax figurine, I suppose, was a fellow called Pat Ingoldsby. And the Irish people will know about this guy. Pat Ingoldsby, who was famous through television. Well, he was a homeless guy on the street. Wow. So, yeah, he became, he was this massive TV icon and then ended up on the streets uh, as a homeless fellow. So I'm sure your Irish uh, listeners will know all about that. But yeah, I was completely shocked. I couldn't believe it. I had to go back and see him after that and Jesus, uh, you can't judge books by cover, no pun intended. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Um, let's talk a little bit of the NRL. Uh, round two coming up this uh, weekend, starting tonight uh, with the Storm and the Bunnies. Uh, the Storm are heavy favourites. They they lost a couple of players, Brandon Smith, Christian Welch, George Jennings, but the uh, the conveyor belt of talent that is the Melbourne Storm, uh, just bring in Cam Munster and Harry Grant, Jesse Bromwich, cool as you like. Um, what are you picking tonight? Oh, uh, you summed it up well, that conveyor belt. That, that's exactly what they have. It's Craig Bellamy's milestone 500, so it, it's significance. Uh, they don't muck around with those. I, I went out on a limb and tipped the bunnies to miss the eight. People said, oh, you're a bloody moron, you're an idiot. And so far, I'm right, but I can easily uh, be turned wrong if they have a big win tonight with Latrell Mitchell back. I'm, I'm tipping Melbourne, Sam, but I, I've got to say, I'm not a lot very... You know, I'm not too cosy with it. You know, Latrell comes back, but I think Melbourne can get the job done. Welsh is a massive out for them. 
I, it was interesting with last week the Rabbitohs. I thought you know, and the team they still got some 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 high strike power from last season. You know, when you look at guys like Damian Cook and Cody Walker, you know, yes, they lost Adam Reynolds, but still still was quite a strong side on paper. Was last week? Do you just put that down to frustration? It just looked like they were frustrated, and if they can sort of you know get get their confidence back, that they've still got the side that can actually challenge, or or do you still sort of think that you know they're going to miss the eight this year? They don't have what it takes. Yeah, I don't think they will. I mean, they've got a new coach, and history's kind of Wayne Bennett is the Warren Buffett of share trading and coaching. Like, he, he knows when to sell his shares. <laughs> Dane Gagai, you know, you lose him. Everyone's saying Reynolds is gone. Well, you lose Gagai. You lose Jaden Sewer, who played well at the Dragons. You lose Benji Marshall, who was so handy for them at times. And, and of course, you lose Wayne Bennett. So, uh, they're the main reasons why I'm sort of selling the shares in the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But it's a marathon, this game, so you never, never know. Uh, the Friday, the first Friday night game, uh, the Dragons Panthers, which I think you've got the call for. Um, the Dragons who beat the Warriors. Um, any chance against the Panthers? Any chance? Every chance, every chance. Yeah, like every year, um, you'd see the rugby, you see the AFL, the rugby league, where the defending champs come out and they have a rousing victory to start. Things and people go, oh wow, they're going to go back to back. And but the facts are, it really happens, you know. And they, they get up for it. They had a big crowd there at Penrith. I actually think the Dragons could win the game. Um, it, it sounds a bit crazy, but if you go back 12 months where Melbourne were the defending champs, a dominant victory versus South, smashed them in the first half, and they went on to lose their next two. So there are grand statements made after the first round, and I'm not prepared. Nathan Cleary's out, you know, and, and, and he's a massive out. So we can't underestimate that. Yes, it went their way in round one Penrith, but just I'd just be tempering uh, grand predictions at this stage. Was there anyone in that Dragon side last week that, that stood out for you? Because they've got a lot of really exciting young talent, and I know that Teletau Mone, that the, the 5 8, um, there's big raps on him. Were, were any of the young players sort of standouts for you last week against the Warriors? Oh, this Tyrell Sloan, I said to my, I was watching my boys, the boys, the young player teams on this Tyrell Sloan. And but what he does, which no one does because it's uncomfortable to do, he, he walks up the field so shallow. I don't know if you remember a bloke called Nathan Blacklock fan, but. He used to do the same thing. Now, if you and I had a sprinting race over 10 metres, you'd beat me comfortably, Sam, right? But <laughs> if I had a five-metre start, it doesn't matter if Usain Bolt's behind me, he won't beat me over 10 metres with a five-metre start. So, Well, he might, but not many would. Um, and my point to that is he plays so flat, so if there's ever half a break, mm. this kid is looking to score the whole game. So for those who like a, a bit of an interest in a game, just keep back in that kid slow and to score tries. Talking to Joel Kane from SCN. If you've got a question, you can text through the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight, double three. Uh, the other Friday night game is probably the game of the round. Uh, Roosters, Seagulls, who many had in the top four um, in the preseason, um, but they both lost, and the Seagulls sit right at the bottom because of the uh, because of the points they gave up against Penrith. Uh, gee, which way is this going, Joel? Well, Sam, the irony of this is that the winner of the Broncos and the Bulldogs will be equal leaders in the comp. And the loser of this will be coming last, you know. This, they'll be one for two, mm. the Battle of the Bulls. You know what? Look, I, I, Trent Robinson had his birthday this week, and I know they're upset and giving a birthday present belatedly, but I'm just a little bit worried about the Roosters there. They, they got smashed by Manly. Admittedly, they had a lot of players out. You don't have the Morris boys this year. Uh, that was in the final when Manly trounced them. Now, trial form, you can sort of disregard, but they lost both trial games, and then they lost to, to Newcastle in round one. So... I'm personally not going to tip the Roosters until I see them back at their brilliant best. I still think they can win the comp, but I won't be tipping them until I actually see it with my own eyes. 
What did um? Uh, it's probably actually an easy answer when you ask what did the what did Penrith do to shut down Manly last week? Basically, stop Tom Trevojevic. That seems to be the recipe. Yeah. Is it as easy as that for the Roosters? Um. Well, what they did, they, they he was interviewed on uh, Brady and Bossy over here at breakfast, and they asked him how he stopped Tom Trevojevic. He said, oh, "If the bus breaks down, it'd be a good start." But but, <laughs> but then he went on with a serious answer, Sam, and he, and he said, "Look, you know, like we just got to stop Tommy Trevojevic getting the ball where where he wants it, you know." So. They were so clinical and committed to a game plan, which was finish your sets, get your kick, and then hopefully when Tommy's touching the ball, it's way down the other end. And even just before halftime, he did some magical work in halftime, made him pay. So, so the way to stop them is to keep him as far away from the trial on, and that's been clinical, completing your sets, and then that's the only way you can do it. Mm. Uh, Saturday first game is of course the Warriors and the Titans it's the one we're all uh, G'd up for it's the one we care about the most uh, Joel the Titans pretty impressive against the Eels nearly snatched a win there and uh, they've got uh, Alexander Brimson back in the side this week who's a big plus for them the Warriors are changing all sorts of guys around and uh, even the halves have had to change so do you give us a chance Joel this weekend? I'm tipping the Titans I mean I actually said to the guys um over there at Beaver and, and Kirsty, I, I was a bit worried about the Warriors this year. They they had their worst defence in 18 years last year, um, which, which, to be honest with you, part of that is the rule change too, which pump things up. But it, it's a bit of a worry for me that, you know, you're into week two and Cody Nikarima, who's sort of been penciled into the starting side all the off-season, Sean Johnson's out, so even more reason why you think Cody'd be there. Oh, there's something going on there, I don't know why, because uh, with all respect to Ash Taylor, if it's an Ash Taylor or... Cody Nicarima, you know, just to get a halfback jump. I'm Cody every single day of the week. So I don't understand what's going on there. And then what happens next week if the Gold Coast have a big win, which is possible, they push Parramatta a long way. What, do you do you change your halves again three weeks in a row? I don't know. It's, mm. a, it's a massive game for the Warriors. They've got a great record up there on the Gold Coast. A lot of expats uh, are up at the Gold Coast. So they could. Reese Walsh comes back, which is massive. Um, but as you mentioned before, so too does uh, Alexander Brimson. So I'll, I'll, I'll be tipping the Titans. Yeah, and Ash Taylor going up against his former side. That'll be very, very interesting. Um, the other uh, four games across the weekend, Sharks, Eels, Cowboys, Raiders, Knights, Tigers, and Bulldogs, Broncos. Which of those four do you think is going to offer us uh, potentially the closest viewing? Oh, the Sharky-Eels game. That's a beauty. That's an absolute beauty. The coach, who'd been waiting 15 years to coach, he got COVID, he missed out last week, Craig Fitzgibbon. He's back, back at home where he's at that, ironically coached. I'm tipping the Sharks in an upset there to beat the Panthers. I think, um, is Cam McInnes back in for the Sharks this week? I know he's named in the sort of extended, but is he any chance to actually play? Or Yeah, he is a big chance, actually. And the fact that he has been, he hasn't been named in the 17 as you mentioned, but he has been on the extended squad. So he's very close. Uh, I... You know, well, I'll back him to play. I think he will be there. And if he is there, it's a massive help for the Sharks. The uh, the only other one that I was looking at was that Bulldogs-Broncos game because you've got two sides there who, you know, many have been talking about for the last few years, not not in terms of top eight, but in terms of, I guess, growing and getting better. And the Broncos looked very strong last weekend. Um, who, who do you pick in that game? And also, I guess, as the season goes on, do you think teams like the Broncos and the Bulldogs have a chance of sneaking their way into the top eight? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the winner's going to have some chance because they'll be two from two and off to an absolute uh, flyer. It's A lot just hinges on, you know, how, how does this half pairing for the Broncos sort of plan out? That, that's where the Bulldogs 
they don't have a proper halfback. Or when I say a proper halfback, an established halfback, Reynolds with Albert Kelly, which could work like Cody Walker. And I think that's the plan for Kevy Walters. And, and good on Kevy. His son had a blinder last week, but he put the team first. He's dropped his son to the bench. So I, I just... I have to side with the most experienced player who's been to a couple of grand finals in Adam Reynolds. And, and, and in that, I'm saying the Broncos. Awesome. Awesome stuff, mate. I've got two uh, quick ones to finish. Ken's just texting here on double eight double three. I think he's a Dragons fan and he's a little bit over-optimistic because he says, uh, Sam, can you ask, Joel, are the Dragons a chance for top four with all the young talent and a good season? Are they a real chance? Uh, they have to improve because I, they had a good win last week, but I thought it was a bludger on the game. I thought both teams were trying to lose really hard. So mm. I'm not going to say yes at this stage, but if they come and beat the Panthers this week... Uh, just getting some text messages direct to my phone. It was a mate of mine said he was listening last week, and he only caught some of the call. But he says, as the famous cricketer from South Africa uh, cross coach to the rugby union, he said, "Is Quinton de Kock now playing over in rugby?" <laughs> I, I don't know. What he's doing, but... <laughs> Look, I, that was going to be my final question, Joel. Was just how much that uh, yeah. that commentary clip's been making the rounds over on your station? I know you guys uh, do a media uh, segment. Has it, has it been making the rounds? Unfortunately for me, yeah, mate. Oh, Sam, Sam, you're too smart, and, and you know what I'm calling that. I'm calling that the obvious error because when you make an obvious error on radio, people want to point you out. And you know what? Everyone's talking about it, Sam, so you've done the right thing with the obvious error. I'm going to call it that. Mate, I've I've said, I've maintained, it was all Kempe's fault. I was ready to, to keep going. I was ready to crack on, but he was yeah. the one on the ground laughing. And when you see that, <laughs> there's no recovering. And I'm telling everyone, there's no there's no way I'm using a clock in a commentary ever again. There'll be time left. No, but- there'll, be, there'll be time remaining. There won't be a clock. No, listen, Sam, you've clearly got a broad future commentator. I, I did hear some of the more serious call part of it. Mate, make it your own thing. Every week, just slip one in. You know, <laughs> you'll, you'll become a fan favourite. I love you. <laughs> oh, I love it, mate. And we love you over here. Thanks, Heath, for joining us, yeah. mate. Appreciate your time. Good on you, Sam. Going well, guys, and uh, appreciate the chat. There you go, Joel Kane out of SEN over in Australia. Calling the game tomorrow night, which is live on SENZ. Uh, that's the Panthers-Dragons uh, game, but we've got Storm Rabbitohs tonight, which is, that's a ripper. Um, and interesting that he thinks that the Rabbits can uh, tip up the Storm. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And the Seagulls over the Roosters, that's another really, really good one. Um, great to chat, Rugby League. Um, would love your texts on this weekend's NRL, double eight double three, the Temper Bedpost text machine, or give me a call, 0800 150 Joel's worried about the Warriors. He's worried about them this year. He said they had the worst defence last year, their worst defensive year, um, and he's really worried about where they're heading this year. Do you feel the same? Do you feel like, uh, despite our positivity, our optimism early on that um, we, we may really, really struggle in 2022. And uh, what about some of these other teams? I mean, the Broncos were really impressive last week. Really impressive against the Rabbitohs. And you know, that they, they could make their way into a, into a top eight position. They may not go higher than that, but they have chance for top eight. They're a chance for top eight. The Bulldogs as well. But um, I think the biggest surprise for me were the Knights. Um, you know, the Knights with that performance against the Roosters. I mean, the Roosters, many are putting in the in the top four, and uh, they made them look like schoolchildren. It was just an impressive display from the Knights. So um, we'd just love to get your thoughts on the NRL. Uh, text double eight double three or give us a call 0800 150 811. Back with your texts and calls after this. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
You too. Man, more you too. Oh, McCarty's not a fan. Not a fan. St. Paddy's Day, mate. St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> Get your green shirt on, mate. Get, he's got a green hat in the background, too. I want that on your head for the uh, commentary, please, Daniel. Um, you too. St. Paddy's Day. Celebrating St. Paddy's Day. Um, now, Swinks, you, uh, you, you were following this um, Zoe Sadowski Senate competition very closely. What, um, what, what's she won over there? Because I'm not actually 100% across what, what she's won. First of all, I'm kind of with McCarty there. I was a little bit loath to put in a bit of YouTube, but when you think Irish music, you do think U2, right? So I had to put him in there. Uh, Zoe Sadowski Senate, or Sinat, as the Americans like to Sinat. call it, Sinat, uh, continuing on with her winning ways at the uh, natural selection. You might have heard it earlier in the sports news there with Araha. Uh, this is just freaking huge uh, for the the Wanaka the Wanaka Miss. Um, God, I'm trying to think of a good name for her. She's just an absolute freaking legend. Uh, I was watching footage of this of her of her run. She had already won by the time they got through the final, and it was like a victory lap for her. Wow! So she goes. Uh, she went to head head to head with uh, Elena Height. And I'm watching this. You see the footage on YouTube, and they cut to like this wide camera. Like from the mountain, it's a free rider's dream. Apparently, uh, eighty massive natural drops. Kick is another feature spread through the famously powder coated forty degree plus slope. It looked intense. Wow! Uh, look this up on and, Twitter or wherever if you can find it. And um, like calling something the natural selection tour <laughs> yeah. is like the most alpha move, you know, for a sport. A eh? like natural selection, only the best win our competition. Yeah. Um, it does. It is incredible. It so, is incredible. So Zoe, uh, as she does, you know. Goes into the finals in the top spot, goes head to head. Yeah, just just smashes the competition there. Uh, finished with a top scorer ninety, smashing down the front side three sixty, stomping a a huge wildcat. Listen yeah, to me go, stomp. Yeah, got to stomp it, got to send it with the wildcat. Uh, and of course, the commentator's just absolutely blown away by what she does. She is nothing short of explosive. Every time she drops in, she impresses in a really incredible way. That is our Zoe. Mm. And when I was watching the footage of it, I just got. I don't know if anyone remembers the Windows game from like, this is before it was Windows 95. I think it was like 3.1 back in the very early 90s. The game Ski Free. It just reminded me of that and getting chased by a snowman. It was unreal. <laughs> Do you think she was getting chased by a snowman up the mountain? What was it called? Ski. Ski Free. Ski Free. I don't remember that one. I remember. Um, I don't I rem- know if they have them in uh, British Columbia where natural selection was, but. Right, okay. Um, I remember the. Um, the pinball, the uh, the pinball you could get on your um, on your Windows ninety five or two thousand. What was it called? Um, Space Cadet. Space Cadet. That's the one. And then um, Minesweeper. I honestly put this question out to you. No one knows how to play Minesweeper. I'm I'm pretty confident about that. No one knows actually how to play. You just keep clicking the buttons until um, the bombs go off and you lose. But as a kid, I never knew what I was doing. I just hit and hope. Uh, but I remember Space Cadet. I remember Minesweeper. Solitaire was a favourite one. Were there any others? Are there any others that come to mind? There's yeah, there's Hearts. Hearts. That's the other right. big one. That's right, Hearts. Um, no one knew how to play that either. To to be fair, um, and then I transitioned from those free games. I think the first game I got on my computer was um, Cricket Two Thousand, and it was um, when the Black Caps played in teal shirts. So 
they came on as teal shirts and I just remember um, Dion Nash ripping it in middle stump with Dion Nash. I've got an even greater cricket nostalgia when we talk about video games here. I think one of the first ones I ever played was Cricket 97. You, you can imagine that this was by EA Sports. The graphics were atrocious, but this was 1997, of course. Commentary provided by Ian Botham and Richie Benno. Really? Yeah. Oh no, oh, no, I do remember that. I don't know if there's I been a greater that. commentary team in a video game. Now, I do remember Richie Benno being on that. And that, was that the one as well where if you there was a glitch. If you ran and then you faked a run and quickly went back into your crease, they'd throw the ball at the stumps, hit the stumps, and then you could do it again at the other end. And then once both stumps were gone, you could just keep running. And then yes. they couldn't get – and they just, yes. they just kept going until you stopped. So you could just run like 100 runs. It was – I mean, that's not very fun, but it, as a kid, you know, it like blew your mind that you could do that. Mate, that's a cheat code for you. It is a cheat code. I just cover-drived everything. And, yeah, and, and same thing, uh, New Zealand. I think they weren't great in those ones. They weren't uh, in the teal, but that was a lot of fun. Cricket 97. Yeah, I remember that well. Um Coming up uh, very shortly after news, we're going to t- uh, chat with Tony Johnson just around Super Rugby and the uh, the COVID um, postponements that are taking place. Um, is Super Rugby in a bit of trouble? Is the competition in a bit of trouble given that we're going to have a, a number of storm weeks where teams play two or three games in a week um, with no space really because we go straight from Super Rugby um, Pacific, well sorry, the New Zealand Super Rugby sort of competition into um, playing the Australian teams. There's no break in the middle. So um, when are we going to play these make-up games? And I guess what's it going to do for teams like Moana Pacifica, who who have about three now to play? Um, we're going to chat with TJ after the news very, very shortly. And then uh, after one o'clock, we will catch up with our commentary team um, as we build towards this afternoon's match, big match, big match, match of the day between the New Zealand women, the White Ferns, and South Africa in the Cricket World Cup. Um, when we looked at the odds earlier today, the New Zealand women were at a dollar forty, and South Africa were at was it two seventy five. The women have uh, the white fern, sorry, have dropped to one thirty six. South Africa at three dollars. So uh, people people really backing uh, the white ferns this afternoon as they should, as they should, and uh, of course it's very important for the overall table because the South Africans are undefeated on six points, white ferns are on four points, and. We've got teams nipping at our heels. We have got teams nipping at our heels. So uh, we're going to catch up with the commentary crew after 1 o'clock just as we build up towards live coverage here on SENZ. Uh, Tony Johnson coming up very, very shortly, but first we'll get some news. Band for St. Paddy's Day. McCarty's not having a bar of it. Where's your Irish spirit, Daniel? He wants to talk. He wants to talk to me. He wants to talk to me. Where's your Irish spirit, mate? It's your singing I have the issue with. Oh, I see. 
I see. It's just because of these cans. I can't get my key right. But uh, maybe I just have to sing yeah, louder. Yeah, the, head, the headphones. Do, do I have to the sing headphones louder? are the reason you can't sing. <laughs> Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Brilliant, brilliant. Danny McCarty will catch up with him uh, after one o'clock. Uh, I wonder what TJ thinks of uh, of my singing. It's St. Paddy's Day. Um, we're playing Irish tunes all throughout the all throughout the morning and the afternoon. TJ, do you have any ties to Ireland or uh, or any fond memories uh, of going over? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, a long way down the track, um, I, I have ancestors from Antrim in, in Northern Ireland. I think mm. they went. They went to America, and I think they were what was known as Plantation Irish. Anyway, I think they originally came from Scotland, so it's a tenuous link. Sure, uh, but I've had plenty of great experiences. There, plenty of great trips there. I, I, you know, I love the place. And uh, but if you were asking me for an Irish band, I'd want to. It'd be the Pogues. Oh, well, that's been well requested on the text machine. Uh, did we play a Pogues earlier today? We did. We'll have to get another one teed up for uh, for once. Yeah, if you want to um, combine two of the great days of the year, on, on Anzac Day, listen to the Pogues uh, doing the band played Walsing Matilda. It, it's it's incredible. Brilliant. Okay, well, there you go. We'll get Logan to tee that one up. Um, TJ, we want to we talk a little bit of um, a Super Rugby and, and the COVID disruptions this week. And I know, you know, we all expected COVID to... to make its way into Super Rugby at some point and cause some disruption. But given that we've got basically all the games apart from this Chiefs Minor Pacifica game um, postponed, is Super Rugby in a little bit of trouble here And the fact that we're going to have to make these games up at some stage and it's going to be very tough when teams have to play, you know, two or three games in a seven-day span? Uh, well, hang on. Um, yeah, is Super Rugby in trouble? We've certainly got problems like everything else is. Uh, I... I you know, you wouldn't want too many more postponements because I think if, if that happens, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a major issue trying to make up the backlog. I think at the moment there are only two midweek games that have been scheduled and are hoping to be able to work around it by just re- reshuffling things so that teams play when they were due to have the bye. And I think that's the thing that everyone's forgetting at the moment is that teams have bye weeks. Mm. The, and, um... uh, you're, you're able to utilise those to, to, for catch-up games, and I, I think that's what they're looking at, at the moment. So as, as far as I know at the moment, there are still just uh, midweek games scheduled. But as I say, that could change if, if there are more postponements. So we, we've just got to cross our fingers and hope that the teams have all done the right thing. I mean, it's a, you, know, it, it's, uh, you know, the way it spreads, it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, but at the moment, it's it's a difficult situation, but it's manageable. The um, the Chiefs game this weekend against Moana Pacifica, I just read before that uh, 17 of their players are out with COVID. Do you think that um, if the Chiefs were playing anyone else, they would have won a postponement as well? Oh, you'd have to ask them, and I, I wouldn't have a clue. I, I think they, I think it's a pretty keen play, um, and and the thing is, they've got big squads, um, so you, you know. If you, I don't know if you've seen the team or not, but it still looks pretty strong to me. Yep. No, I, I read out the uh, I read out the the twenty three just before. It does still have quite a lot of good players in there. Um, TJ, we we were talking just this morning. We flipped a couple of messages back and forth, and you mentioned what they do up in um, Japan, which is a much tougher stance. Where if if you can't um, field a team, or you know if you've got um, COVID in in your environment, then uh, you actually default, so you don't get any points. Um, that's that's not the way to do it, is it? Because then you're not getting rugby, and teams are getting punished. Well, it's certainly a, a pretty brutal. Of doing it, I know uh, Robbie Deans was lamenting the fact that uh, that his team, I uh, think, missed the first two games of the year. 
um, and and the, you know they were defaults. Um, and I guess I suppose you know the, the one side of it that um, it's not a positive, but you look, it certainly makes the teams stick to the protocols and and stick to their bubbles and follow the rules and wash their hands and you know keep the cop and all that sort of stuff. Um, because if, you know, if if you can't put a team out, then then you lose the points for the game. So uh, it's a bit brutal. I don't think they'd try and do that here. I think if they did that here, then people would be talking about a farcical situation. Mm. Uh, it's just it's what they're doing here. It's easy to sort of look at it and say, "Oh boy, that's tough." But if they if um, if they tried to do it here, I, I think there'd be an uproar. Uh, and 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 I don't think they've ever really seriously considered that. Uh, we haven't actually um, we haven't caught up since the weekend, TJ. I know we're a few days gone of it now, but uh, that massive uh, win from the Chiefs over the Crusaders and um, the Highlanders going down again. There, the Highlanders owe from from four, but is that a little bit unfair? It seems like they've played good rugby. They just haven't been able to get a result. Well, played good rugby. They just haven't been able to finish the job off. Um, you know, they had a lot of uh, disruptions. Sort of, you know, they lost a number of you know, quite important players in the off season. So they've had to sort of rebuild and reshuffle a wee bit, and, and so it has been a slow start. Um, you know, maybe we get a better idea of when they start playing the Australian teams, just what sort of state they're in. Mm. Uh, it's it's tough when you know you, you face the Hurricanes one week and the Blues the next, the Chiefs. Crusaders, whatever you know, it's it's a it's a pretty tough gig, um, but yeah, they, they'd be disappointed. I I, I don't think they've um, played as well as they would, you know, anywhere near as well as they would have wanted. They're just sort of lacking a little bit of authority, um, you know, which is amazing when you consider they've got a great player like Aaron Smith there. Mm. Uh, just not able to control games as much as they'd like. I mean, just got to hope that they'll they'll improve. Um, but I think that's been a problem for you know a number of the teams. Uh, you look at the, the number tens around the competition. How many really good performances we've seen from them, and that's something I think we need to see in the next few weeks. Is you know the players wearing the number ten jersey you know, taking control of the game. The uh, the Chiefs beating the Crusaders. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs people from Waikato always think they're a chance against the Crusaders, but a lot of people thought the Crusaders would win that game. Just in terms of where we sit now, TJ, what what is sort of I guess your power ranking of those top three teams? Do you still have the Crusaders at number one, and and you know Blues Chiefs two and three, or do you think the Chiefs might have leapfrogged those two? Well, history says you never put too much money um, on the Chiefs uh, on the Crusaders not winning the competition because, you know, the, you know, it just proves how tough it is. So the Chiefs bounced back from a loss at Eden Park, which they probably, you know, they might have won, um, missed a penalty right at the end. But I think, you know, they, they proved what a lot of us have been thinking uh, before the season even started. This is a very powerful team. That even with important players out, they're still able to come up with a, a, a really good performance. I think they were definitely the better team uh, against the Crusaders. Crusaders got a a few things they'll need to do better as well. It, it just proves that it's a cutthroat competition. Uh, to me, it, it, you know, the, teams, the three teams always were uh, the Blues, the Chiefs and the Crusaders. But then, you know, you look at the Hurricanes, what they were able to do um, to, at the start of the season as well. So it, it just it's just a relentlessly difficult competition. Um, and I, I guess what they had been hoping for was, you know, with... Um, the Australian teams coming back into it, there, there might be a, a bit of respite from this week in, week out against the New Zealand teams that hasn't uh, proven to be the case. 
Um, and I, I guess for a team like the Highlanders, they just hope that they can hang in there, pick up a, a, a win or two against other New Zealand sides, and then maybe start building the points up when they get to the Trans-Tasman part of the competition. Mm, absolutely. The Hurricanes are only one point away from the Blues and the Chiefs are still very contested um, between those three teams. Um, TJ, good to chat a little bit of rugby, even though we don't, we've only got one game this weekend. Um, always good having you on, mate. We'll catch up soon. Okay. There you go. TJ, Tony Johnson there from Sky Sports um, talking through uh, Super Rugby for this weekend. Of course, just got that one game. Chiefs Moana Pacifica um, with all the others postponed. Um, I, mean, I take TJ's point. You know, there, there is buys um, throughout the season that are probably going to get used up with uh, extra games. But then again, you know, uh, teams need those rest weeks, don't they, to, to recover and recuperate. So it's going to be a pretty pretty brutal season having to just play through. Um, and like I said, straight into the Aussie um, teams as well. There's no gap there. So they go straight into a trans-Tasman competition. Um, there you go, Tony Johnson. Uh, we're going to play What Happens Next, um, your chance to win a TAB $50 bonus bet, and we're going to do that after the break. What Happens Next. Oh, yes, what happens next? Your chance to win a TAB $50 bonus bet. Um, we take this from the afternoon's show, but I guess it's afternoons now, isn't it? 12.47. Um, all you got to do is text double eight double three your answer to what you think happens next. Just before we get to that, though, uh, don't forget to follow SENZ Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and send us a DM with the words, the race, and you could win a 0.5% share of self-assured. And if Self-Assured wins the race at Cambridge on April 14, one person will walk away with 0.5% of the winnings of that race. Doesn't sound like a lot, but I tell you what, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So uh, text in or send in the words the race to our social media pages. And uh, Swinks, you're going to give us part one of what happens next today. Um, And if you think you know what happens next, text in double eight, double three. What do you got, mate? So this comes off the back of, uh, if you've been listening to the show, Sam and I are massive punishing ice hockey fans. Uh, yesterday, the great eight, Alexander Ovechkin, moved into sole position of number three on the NHL's all-time goal scoring list. Yes. Uh, number 767 against the New York Islanders. That also makes him officially the greatest European goal scorer of all time now. So all that stands between him and the top is the great Gordie Howe. Yes. 801. And, of course, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, still sits at number one at 894. Freak. Now, you do the maths. Ovi is 36 years old. Uh, but if he keeps at a reasonable scoring pace over the next few years, he keeps looking after his body the way he's doing. Tom Brady-esque. Tom Brady-esque, yeah. He could potentially break Gretzky's record when he hits 40. Oh, I don't want that to happen. I don't like Ovi. I don't like him. I don't like the Capitals, but... Especially <laughs> now with the, his ties to Putin and how he... Exactly, yep. yeah. He's heavily tied. Although, you do have to be careful because I know um, I read somewhere that he's also not speaking against Putin because he's scared for his family, which are back in Russia. So you got, you got that as well. Um, yeah, and his, I, I don't know if you've ever seen, but his family is lovely. His mum is so sweet. Yeah. Just cooks for him, still cooks for him. He's a freaking pro. Fantastic. I mean, his wife probably does it too, but, you know, it's just, yeah. It's so family... I'm get- the, the family case, I'm, I'm guessing you've gone ice hockey then for what happens next. I, I have, right? I have. Okay, we'll so play it once. So remember, double eight, double three, if you think you know what happens after this. Got there first for Wayne Gretzky's Coyotes. Phoenix trailing by four with 8.15 to go in the third. Jones keeps it hot on the outside, and Brendan Witt's been everywhere for Washington to play clear. Ovechkin storming in. Ovechkin storming in. 
What happens next? Ooh. Now, see, I, th- I wonder if you're throwing me by th- putting all those stats out there first and you want me to say, oh, this is him scoring the goal. I don't know. <laughs> but um, No, I'm just trying to build up the situation. Yeah. This is why we're going with Ovi. Okay, okay. So there you go. Can you play one more time for me? Yeah, absolutely. Got there first for Wayne Gretzky's Coyotes. Phoenix trailing by four with 8.15 to go in the third. Jones keeps it hot on the outside and Brendan Whitspin everywhere for Washington to play clear. Ovechkin storming in. Ooh. Did he say Wayne Gretzky's Coyotes? Yes, he did. Okay. This is this is so this does date it. This if you if you know, uh this is back when Wayne Gretzky was an NHL coach and uh spoiler alert that did not go well. Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna I've got an idea. I've got something in my head. If you think you know, text double eight double three, a TAB fifty dollar bonus bet is up for grabs. Um text double eight double three. What we'll do is we will reveal what happens next after this. The stick flings the puck back towards the net and it slides in past uh, Brian Boucher. So that is the goal. Mm. Uh, cool little side story there. Uh, I have to shoehorn this in. Uh, Austin Matthews, the Mexican NHL superstar that plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs, apparently was in the building that day and wow. he credits that goal as an inspiration for him. Wow, that is a great little yarn. That's a great yarn. Austin Matthews, obviously you know I'm not a fan, but uh, <laughs> but he's a great player. Um, I love those little stories. Yeah, in the building, it's like people that um, would talk about watching Michael Jordan play. Or you see those photos where they're like bumping fists with Michael Jordan and then, you know, they end up playing, they become MVP or whatever it is. Um, pacing for purpose, just as we build towards uh, one o'clock, our uh, pacing for purpose picks um, tomorrow night um, for mornings is actually in Auckland. This is, of course, for our charities, our, our four charities as well, pacing for purpose season two um tomorrow night in auckland for mornings we have race seven number seven akuda akuda like akuda matara um class horse who won well last week and looks set to go on with it neither horse will make you rich unless you own them of course um akuda race seven number seven and for afternoons in Wyndham tomorrow night race four number eight fovo straight sounds like a good horse to be following in southland trained and driven nathan williamson this first starter will be good to go. Let's hope they make us some money on the mornings and the afternoons. That's thanks to uh, Harness Racing New Zealand and Pacing for Purpose. We're coming up one o'clock, not far away from live commentary of the White Ferns v South Africa. When we come back after news, we will have a catch up with our commentary team. Dan McCarty, Anna Corbin in the studio, ready to go. Up is the great Gordie Howe. Yes. 801. And of course, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, still sits at number one at 894. Freak. Now, you do the maths. Ovi is 36 years old. Uh, but if he keeps at a reasonable score and pace over the next few years, he keeps looking after his body the way he's doing. Tom Brady-esque. Tom Brady-esque, yeah. He could potentially break Gretzky's record when he hits 40. Oh, I don't want that to happen. I don't like Ovi. I don't like him. I don't like the Capitals, but especially <laughs> now with the, his ties to Putin and how he's, exactly, yep. yeah, he's he really tight. Although you do have to be careful because I know um, I read somewhere that he's also not speaking against Putin because he's scared for his family, which are back in Russia. So you got you got that as well. Um, yeah, and it's, I, I don't know if you've ever seen, but his family is lovely. His mum is so sweet. Yeah. Just cooks for him. Still cooks for him. He's a freaking pro. Fantastic. I mean, his wife probably does it too, but you know, it's just yeah. So the family. Get- the, the family case, I'm, I'm guessing you've gone ice hockey then for what happens next. I, I have, right? I have. Okay, we'll so, play it once. so remember, double eight, double three, if you think you know what happens after this. Got there first for Wayne Gretzky's Coyotes. Phoenix trailing by four with 8.15 to go in the third. 
Jones keeps it hot on the outside, and Brendan Whitspin everywhere for Washington to play clear. Ovechkin storming in. Ovechkin storming in. What happens next? Ooh. Now, see, I, I wonder if you're throwing me by th- putting all those stats out there first and you want me to say, oh, this is him scoring the goal. I don't know. But um, <laughs> No, I'm just trying to build up the situation. Yeah. This is why we're going with Ovi. Okay, okay. So there you go. Can you play one more time for me? Yeah, absolutely. Got there first for Wayne Gretzky's Coyotes. Phoenix trailing by four with 8.15 to go in the third. Jones keeps it hot on the outside and Brendan Whitspin everywhere for Washington to play clear. Ovechkin storming in. Ooh. Did he say Wayne Gretzky's Coyotes? Yes, he did. Okay. This is this is so this does date it. This if you if you know, uh this is back when Wayne Gretzky was an NHL coach and uh spoiler alert that did not go well. Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna I've got an idea. I've got something in my head. If you think you know, text double eight double three, a TAB fifty dollar bonus bet is up for grabs. Um text double eight double three. What we'll do is we will reveal what happens next. After this, the stick flings the puck back towards the net and it slides in past uh, Brian Boucher. So that is the goal. Mm. Uh, cool little side story there. Uh, I have to shoehorn this in. Uh, Austin Matthews, the Mexican NHL superstar that plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs, apparently was in the building that day and wow. he credits that goal as an inspiration for him. Wow, that is a great little yarn. It's a great yarn. Austin Matthews, obviously, you know I'm not a fan, but uh, <laughs> but he's a great player. Um, I love those little stories. Yeah, in the building, it's like people that um, would talk about watching Michael Jordan play. Or you see those photos where they're like bumping fists with Michael Jordan and then, you know, they end up playing, they become MVP or whatever it is. Um, pacing for purpose, just as we build towards uh, one o'clock, our uh, pacing for purpose picks um, tomorrow night um, for mornings is actually in Auckland. This is, of course, for our charities, our, our four charities as well, Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Um, tomorrow night in Auckland, for mornings, we have Race 7, Number 7, Akuda. Akuda, like Akuda Matara. Um, class horse, who won well last week and looks set to go on with it. Neither horse will make you rich unless you own them, of course. Um, Akuda, Race 7, Number 7. And for afternoons in Wyndham, tomorrow night, Race 4, Number 8, Fovo Straight. Sounds like a good horse to be following in Southland. Trained and driven Nathan Williamson. This first starter will be good to go. Let's hope they make us some money on the mornings and the afternoons. That's thanks to uh, Harness Racing New Zealand and Pacing for Purpose. We're coming up 1 o'clock, not far away from live commentary of the White Ferns v South Africa. When we come back after news, we will have a catch-up with our commentary team. Dan McCarty, Anna Corbin in the studio, ready to go. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.